tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007, our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make a call, and Emma is looking after this morning's programme. Coming up on the show, fines for road safety offences to double from today. We'll chat about that in just a moment's time. Uh, reaction uh, to the uh, new opening hours for pubs and clubs uh, continuing. Uh, managing and preventing injuries with Muriel Cuddy of Marito uh, 8020. We have farming with Pat O'Toole. A taste of down your way. Uh, Rory Makem and Donald Clancy. Uh, will be appearing at the Manila Hotel tomorrow night. They're live with us in studio. They'll play and sing and chat to us. And if that's not enough, if music is your thing, you'll be delighted to know. I'll be speaking to Phil Coulter a little bit later on in the programme as well. So all of that and much, much more. You can text and WhatsApp 083-311-3311. You can uh, email today at tipfm.com. We're always glad to hear from you. Now, fines relating to a total of 16 road safety offences are to double from today. The Minister, uh, Hildegard Nocton, made the announcement at the Road Safety Authority annual conference in Croke Park yesterday. Speeding fines will increase from 80 to 160 euro, while fines for mobile mobile phone use, non-wearing of seatbelts and failing to ensure that a child is properly restrained will rise from 60 euro to 120 euro. The fine for a learner permit holder driving a vehicle unaccompanied by a qualified person will increase from 80 to 160. Novice and learner drivers not displaying L or N plates or tabards in the case of motorcyclists will see their fines double to €120. For more on this now, AA Ireland's Head of Communications, Paddy Cummin, joins me. Paddy, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you for your time this morning. 123 people, Paddy, killed on Irish roads so far this year, an increase of 12 fatalities compared to the same date last year. Will fines help to lower these very worrying figures? Yeah, well, I think the short answer to that is yes, because we, we you know, the, uh, before we start, I suppose, we need to say the RSA and the Guardi have done a really, really good job because the, the numbers, while never good, there's no such thing as, as a good number when it comes to road facilities, are, are very strong from where we used to be. Mm. Um, you know, if we look back to, to back as recently as 2005, there was about 400 fatalities in a year. And now, you know, last year we were at 137. So the progress has been good. And, and that has been as a result of these kind of measures. So obviously penalty points, but also fines too. And, and the fines that have been introduced um, today are directly relating to uh, actual, you know, causes of fatality, so speeding. Uh, non-use of seatbelts. Like the fact that we're still in 2022 talking about people not wearing mm. seatbelts seems crazy yeah. to me. Um, mobile phone use uh, increase, but also the the fines relating to learner drivers and new drivers because we know from the statistics that the, that age group uh, of 16 to 25 are the most vulnerable road users when it comes to fatalities. So we are seeing th- uh, that introduced. Like so, the, so anyone who is a learner and officer not bringing in a company driver, the fine is 160 euros, so quite a, quite a big fine. But the, the reason for, I guess, the, the quick 
introduction of these is because it can be done quickly. It, it takes it's a stroke of a pen for the minister to increase fines, whereas it, it takes a longer to do um, to adjust penalty points. Now, from speaking to the RSA this morning earlier on, they said that they are looking at potentially looking at um, revising points in Q4 2024, but the minister is said to be even fast-tracking that again. So we may see a revision in the penalty point structure as well. But look, all of it is um, with, with a good view in mind of trying to get that figure down to zero. Yeah, but we haven't been assured that uh, policing will be increased because this is all about policing, really. I mean, they're talking about extra numbers where the Go Safe fans are concerned, but that's just going to look at speeding. So it, does that concern you that we mightn't have enough guards out there? Well, I think this lives and dies by um, whether it's policed or not, because it's all very well bringing in these measures and bringing in, you know, increased fines, etc. But if the detections aren't there, then um, you know, then it all falls flat. Uh, the, you know, at the conference yesterday, um, the, the RSA had Super Superintendent Sean Fallon spoke of intelligence-led policing, so they're going to use the available data to target the worst areas and problems. Now, uh, I, I think we can confidently say that that has started. You know, that has happened over the last number of years. This period where, you know, we may remember a few years ago where we thought there was a little bit of shooting fish in the barrel fines mm. were, were there in places where there weren't actions. I think that is less of an issue now. Um, and we are seeing a more targeted approach. And look, the numbers are borne out by that. No road death is a good number. But um, but the numbers are strong. We're fourth um, in, in the league table in Europe when it comes to fatalities uh, per 100,000. So, you know, our numbers are good. And globally, we're actually very, very good when we compare it to other countries. So, the, 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 you know, we are doing a good job. What the measures that are being done are working. So we do have to give this a chance. Mm. Uh, one thing that concerns me, though, is the increase in the fine for the unaccompanied uh, drivers. Um, uh, because a lot of that is by necessity. There's such a backlog there in the, the testing, uh, I'm sure you'll agree. And, you know, some, some young people have to get to work some way, particularly in rural areas. Yeah, and, and you know that is an issue because you know it's all very well telling people you know to get public transport in rural areas, and but we know for sure that it, it isn't there. You, you know, you and I have spoken about this before, and the fact that you know, especially in rural areas, there just isn't the available transport network. But look, the, the rationale for this is because unfortunately those drivers are still the most vulnerable when it comes to fatalities, and and um, you know this, this is the reason why they would hope that those drivers are you know properly qualified and uh, have had proper experience before they set out alone. Mm. But there certainly needs to be a suite of measures for, for any of this to be successful, I suppose, Paddy. Yeah, there, there are, you know, and you know, as I come back to the, the original point, like the fact is that um, we're still talking about seatbelt use in 2022. Yeah, yeah. Mobile phone use is, is rampant. Like I was driving up this morning on the M1, and, you know, when you're when the traffic was low, and you're, you're looking around you, and you're seeing that low under people's chins mm. in traffic as people are flicking through um, you know and that's unfortunately the wider problem of people just almost being addicted to their phones they can't put them down so um, mobile phone is still a use and I think that's going to be one of the ones that will take the most strict and and, uh, and almost draconian legislation to get people to put the phones down Right but the hardest one I suppose to police yeah, very much so because you know how do you how do you draw you can draw a conclusion that maybe there, there was a use, but um, exactly how do you how do you prove it? Yeah. Look, there's a lot to be said for you know more modern cars do have the likes of Bluetooth, they have things like Apple CarPlay yeah. and Android Auto. There are 
you know, there's a rationale to put the thing in the glove box or put it into the boot of the car. I've plenty of friends who actually put it in the boot, um, and, and so they can't go near it at all. And, and look, even if it, it's switched off for an hour, how bad to have a bit of peace and quiet for for your half an hour commute home? God knows it's true, Paddy. We appreciate your time today. Thank you. And good morning to you. Take Thank care. you. Bye bye. You know, Paddy Common there, uh, AA Ireland's head of communications. How do you feel about those uh, fines? Do you think they're useful? Do you think they'll help? with uh, fatalities on our roads. And not only fatalities, of course, but uh, people who are uh, profoundly injured as well, often uh, requiring uh, uh, lifelong care, indeed, after uh, RTAs as well. So how do you feel about that? 83 311 Now, it's lovely to hear from our old friend George Hogg. And he was telling us that uh, Knocklofty Rural Day Service, friends of Bridgewater House on the Shore Drop, and the mill. They're holding a Halloween disco and admission is free with uh, finger food on Thursday the 27th and that is today of course in Eldon's Lounge in Clonmel so it's tonight between 8 and 10 and the DJ is a great Billy Bop there and it's for families of children with special needs so that's uh, this evening Halloween disco in Eldon's in Clonmel. Billy Bop will be there spinning the discs and the Halloween disco should be mighty crack and well done to George and all of the team for putting that uh, together. Back in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie One of our listeners says it's interesting that one stroke of a pen by the minister can extract money from the public, but it takes a lot of red tape and time to help the public extract money from the government. Another listener says it's a fact that most road deaths are in rural areas, but you don't see a huge campaign to make these roads safer. People in rural areas often having to take a chance at junctions, for example, but you can't see and uh, because you can't see and try avoiding the potholes. That's into us on 083 Now, yesterday, we spoke to some of our listeners about the Ukrainian refugee situation. Some of the conversation yesterday got very heated indeed, and it sparked a lot of engagement with us. And uh, Richie joins us now. Richie, good morning to you. How are you doing? And uh, good to talk to you today. Your thoughts on the refugee situation would be what, Richie? Basically, we don't have any forward planning in uh, in relation to how many people are coming in, and the biggest worry is the uh, the non-vitten of these people. We don't know where who they are, where they come from, are they coming from Ukraine or whatsoever. But like, they're going to be competing here for seven hundred people on trolleys, uh, rural doctors, which we don't have, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's just it's just going to build up. There is going to be a big knock-on effect. This war could go on for years. We don't know. But, uh, yeah, and are no. you saying to me that already, I mean, services are under pressure to say the very oh, least? Oh, exactly, yeah. exactly, Fran, exactly. Uh, we did a lot of work there in the Knocklofty Rural Care, the Daycare Centre there, but mm. we were all vetted beforehand. No ifs or buts, unless you had a guard uh, clearance, you weren't allowed in, on that premises. Simple as that. 
Now, the argument would be, I suppose, that this is an emergency situation, Richie. Exactly. You know? um, so exactly. Does, exactly. does that hold water for you, that, you know, the people have to be brought in as soon as possible? because It is, but it's the, like the, there could be a massive knock-on effect down the, down the line. I'm, you'll, you'll be guaranteed, Fran, there'll be people from the Ukraine found on the streets in Dublin in 15 years' time that will say, oh, they came in during the war, or war could be just forgotten about and they'll be down and out. There's no, without a doubt they will be. They might not be Ukrainian, they could be as foreigners that came in on that uh, on that, uh, on that uh, Ukraine war. So, and do and you mean that eventually the, the help and the, the, the revenue behind looking after them will, will dwindle and they'll be left to their own devices? Is that, is that what you mean? Exactly. This, 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 this money won't keep going around, friends. It's simple as that, like people getting 120 euro a night, apparently, for uh, Ukrainian people to stay in their uh, accommodation or whatever. That's, that won't last, like, it can't last. Well, like we we've we've taken in around fifty thousand, I believe. Now I've not I've I've travelled the world, I've walked around the world, I've nothing against me and it's definitely in a war situation you have to knuckle down. But we've taken in fifty thousand. We have a population of around five million. France have taken in a hundred thousand with a population of uh, seventy million. Mm. So do you know what I mean? It's just it's just <laughs> it's I don't know, we just we won't be able to cope. It, it, it's gonna explode. And well, does it concern you that if somebody like yourself, Richie, speaks out about this, that you're branded as racist when all you're trying to do is make the point that the services aren't there? In, in fact, let, let me put it to you like this. Yeah. If we could cope with the numbers, I guess you'd have no problem with people coming. No problem that, whatsoever. Right. No problem okay. whatsoever. But it goes, back to, it goes back to the village life. We just left. Once the villages lost their creameries, they lost their crops, the money stopped going around, the villages were left rack and ruin, and accommodation has just gone to rack and ruin. And now we're, now we're looking for accommodation, whereas there's no flower plan. That's my point. There's no flower planning from people that are getting a lot more money than myself and yourself, friend. <laughs> and as simple as that, like. Mm-hmm. It's just not the... Yeah. You know what I mean? There's no one making... There's no one accounting them. Right, you, no, mean, you know what I mean? You obviously mean where the government is concerned. Uh, exactly, exactly. Like they're like they're yeah. getting, they plenty of advisors there. Like allow people building on floodplains. Like uh, it's just crazy with the houses. It's just. And still, Richie, I mean, Richie, I mean I'm, I'm looking at the front of the Irish Times today and that Ipsos uh, MRBI poll. Fine Gael is up four, Fianna Fáil is up one, the Green Party is up uh, one. So, by and large, the government, you know, there's a bit of satisfaction with them. Uh, Eamon Ryan is up five, Michal Martin as a leader is up five, and uh, Leo Varadkar as a leader is up uh, eight. Yeah, I think the, the next election is going to be very interesting because I don't think... I don't think they're going to be in power for too much longer because, the, um, like, we have Eamon Ryan preaching here about uh, <clears throat> that we can't dig tough and yet 50% of our untreated water are going back into the sea <laughs> and we can't dig tough to heat our homes. You know I mean? like some of that untreated water going into our rivers as well. Exa- oh, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And it's just like this run around. We're, that's, I was watching a program the other night on TV that Bally Bryan, that windmill farm yeah. up there. Yeah. Ireland, Ireland has paid back 16 million in fines already. So, so <laughs> 16 million that we could do with here. Yeah. And but I mean again, I have to put it to you that now, okay, you could look at this as a bounce from the budget. You know, the people maybe getting a few bob from the government and stuff, and maybe that's why there's an increase there. But I mean, it is a sense of satisfaction when so somebody is saying they're doing a good job. I should already probably patting themselves on the back for another. 
it's just like even the take up I think for these house these renovations I think only one or two percent of the head plans yeah. on doing all these houses supplying all these houses and renovating them well you had to come it's up with so much money yourself you see you know uh, exactly yeah but yeah so that's not going to happen in life. Mm. <laughs> like diesel diesel is going to run the country the price of diesel is going to run the country anyway exactly into the ground if they don't get a grip on what's going to happen shortly because for example I was spending 30, 35 a week now I'm spending 80 a week are you serious? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm still doing the same journey. So, so you've journey. gone up more than 50%. Exactly, oh yes, exactly, exactly. Like things have to give, uh, in that case, things have to give, like, because you still have to make that trip, like, and drop kids to school and whatever, go yeah. to your workplace, you know, so. Yeah, well, these I... Is, is the big one, and like I said, price electricity out here, uh, I heard a couple of uh, pub owners there yesterday extended the hours. Mm. So people can't even afford to go for a pint these days. But, uh, so to extend the hours at this time when people time. are struggling so, to yeah, yeah. Waste of time. who wants to go to a nightclub at 4 o'clock in the morning and drink away till 5 o'clock like, the stimpties are gone the, the rural pub is gone for like there used to be more business done in rural pubs than any office in, in Ireland or England yeah, like, I know. So it's just well I was surprised yesterday I'm not sure if you heard it Richie but I was surprised to talk to Pat from the Arch Bar in Thurles and he, yeah, was, making the it, po- yeah. he was making the point that this is no good to him really not you know? not so, not so. You'd, you'd know by the local pub. You get one or two good nights, maybe a birthday party for yeah, the rest yeah. of the night. You'll see, if you drive around town in Slamel, the uh, town of Slamel, <coughs> lots of pubs don't open there probably mm. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, it's just, it's not viable to heat a pub for uh, three or four people. What, what are you hearing from people you talk to, Richie? Is, is there a generally the same thinking as yourself out there among people in rural Tipperary and Tipperary? It is okay, Fran. Look, there was, a, there was a case there. There was a guy. He got a piece of steel in his eye. He rang his doctor on Thursday, his local doctor, and she said, uh, "Could he come in the following Tuesday?" Like <laughs> this, God this crack. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what are you going to do when you go to head to A and E? Head to A and E, and A and E are A and E are telling you unless that it's life threatening, don't come near us. Exactly. And between COVID now and it's just it's one place you don't want to be, but. Yeah. I just think long term, we're going to pay for this long, long term. There's going to be lots of issues. There could be lots of social issues. I don't know. I, I, like, I'm, I'm not a racist. I, I've walked all over the world. But when you go to these countries, you obey their rules. And we don't know like what's what's happening there. Like, I, I walked in Saudi Arabia. and Did you? You, yeah. ste- you step out of line there, you <laughs> you are in big trouble. It's right. as that. Like, so it's just one country. You don't mess around. But that's... And there's That's no their laws, there's no the talk of them saying we want to embrace your culture into ours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't advise it to anyone. But you, uh, you it was tax free at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you were there, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. I see. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're we're a great little country in a lot of ways, I suppose. We, you know. But, yeah, uh, no, it's just, look, this war is now over today or tomorrow, and it's just it'll be dragged on and. There's, lots, there's going to be a lot of not, this money will run out eventually because like money is so cheap now they're actually throwing at governments but mm. it's uh, long term we'll, we'll have big problems here with housing etc etc Yeah well already we see that uh, the central bank will be upping rates probably again later on today so. Yes more couples under pressure buying houses impossible to buy houses yeah, uh, You look around Samuel, look at the Samuel arms just left idle there no one yeah. seems to be interested like if the government had any initiatives they'd have taken that over uh, years ago and mm. putting in um, 
people there. Yeah. Low, R- low, right low, in the centre of Clanbell. Uh, exactly, and they haven't paid as though they don't have to give them the car or anything like that. Just pay away or just pay a ten or a week to the rent or whatever. But there's no forward planning for it. Oh, right. You walk around, go down by the courthouse, there's just blocks of uh, buildings there idle, just, just sitting there. I don't know. I, used to, I don't know. Like they should make uh, a compulsory acquisition in some cases for these to take more because they just come out of the town. Some village gone to rack and ruin. But are you saying to me that if if the, just finally if you, are you saying that if those vacant premises were all done up or something, no, there'd exactly. be plenty. Why, why there'd be plenty of accommodation. Why, exactly. Why aren't they done I up? D- I don't know. There's so many people getting drawn money from going. Um, uh, government are paying out so much money for these uh, welfares or whatever. Like they get them into accommodation and. At least they own the accommodation, then that the government owned the accommodation. Yeah, that they're cutting yeah, you're down br- you're building up stock, as exactly, they say. Exactly, exactly. Like Richie, it was, it was great to talk to you today. Thanks for coming no on with me, Richie. All, Thank you. No Thank you. And bye bye to you now. Bye bye. That's uh, Richie speaking to us there. Uh, what do you think about that? 083 311 Now, yesterday we heard from listeners uh, reacting to the new pub and club opening hours that we made reference to there with uh, Richie as well. Christine joins me now. Christine, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, Christine, and nice to talk to you today. What, what do you make of the opening hours uh, or the legislation that will come into play next year? Well, I'm kind of like mixed opinions on it because, like, it's like for business owners, obviously, it's going to be good. Like, you mm. know, after being shut down for COVID for so long, and they're going to eventually make a comeback on it, like with the income and stuff like that. Like, but then, like, coming from like uh, partners' points of view, like it's going to be absolutely dreadful, like, well, a parent's point of view, should I say, mm. first of all, mm. because, like, young people are going to be out in the club until, like, 6am, and, like, parents are going to be sitting at home worrying and stressing and be like, oh, my God, did they get home okay? And, like, where are they? What are they doing? Is there too much drink on board? I mean, like, if you drive around Limerick at closing time, like, it's it's fairly messy, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just going to put more stress and pressure on the guards around the place and... Yeah, because it will have to be policed right through the night then, won't it? Yeah, 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 it will, yeah. And it's just going to put more stress, like, on the... uh, Coming from, like, the police point of view, like. And, like, it's going to put stress and pressure on families because, like, people are going to be like, if they stay out all night, they're going to be like, well, where were you? And they're going to be, oh, we're in a club. But, like, you know, it's going to be like, where you? And it's going to cause family arguments and stuff like Mm. that, like, you know, but, like... But, Christine, will there be the extra money... I mean, look at how difficult it is to live nowadays with the cost of living and energy costs and all of that. Will there be the extra money to drink all night till 6 o'clock in the morning? Well, to be honest, like, I, I, I couldn't do it personally. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, But, like, you're going to have someone who's, like, going to have, like, a birthday or, you know, mm. something like that, mm. a young person's 21st or an 18th or something like that, mm. and they're going to go out and it's going to be all night. But, like... Like I said, it's going to put serious financial strain on people because, like, mm. they're going to have to pay. Like, bouncers are going to have to be in the club all night. Yeah. Bar owners are going to have to be in the club all night. Do you know, coming from like a working aspect, that's going to be absolutely horrific. Like, you know. Yeah, and again, as I said to Richie, we were speaking to Pat from the Arch Bar, and I'm sure it's the same with most. But he was saying that this is no advantage to him because all will happen is that people will leave it leave it later still to come to the pub, the ordinary pub now, because they can now close at half twelve. 
Yeah, but like like that, you're going to go to a club because like around town, I'm speaking from personal experience here myself. Like, if you're like if you're in a place and you're if you don't leave and go to the place you want to go to, you're not going to get in late at night. You know what I mean? They're going to say no. You have enough on board. I mean, like I've often gone up to the doors of the nightclub and I haven't had one drink in me, and I've been turned away. Like I'm quite heavily tattooed, and just like they'd say no, you've had enough tonight, and I'm just like I'm stone cold sober, and I. I I have texted the bouncers. Like, I knew bouncers and, like, you know, added them on Facebook, chatted away to them, mm. became friends with them. I'm a qualified security guard myself, like. Mm. And um, it's just, it's horrific come from, like, a uh, bouncer's point of view for letting in young people at that hour of the night. So you're saying it, it, it won't be easy on, on people then who are looking after security. Is that what you're saying? That it will be? Yeah, it, it's going to be horrific. Like, mm. I come from, like, watching people to actually be one of those drunken idiots around the place. I've been at both sides of the coin, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. So, like, I wouldn't want to be dealing with drunk me at five o'clock in the morning, friend, not a hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And these are all the things we're not thinking about, you know. Now, the only good thing about it is that I suppose people won't be all coming out of a late night nightclub at at the at the same time uh, the, that it might be divided out in some ways. So yeah, you, you won't yeah. have that surge but onto still our at streets. At the same time, you're going to have like busts of people, and then like if there is a fight down the street, you're going to have people getting involved that has nothing to do with them. You see it anyway, and then they're going to be dragged into it. Do you know what I mean? So it's what, like I said, it's going to give like. Yeah. The guards an awful time, but from from business owners, from like the positive aspects of it, I mean, like they're going to make more money. But like, do they actually want to hassle of it? Is the thing. And th- and that is the point, isn't it? And in your experience as a security person, are you saying to me, Christine, that there will be more violence out of this on our street? There could be, like, do you know what I mean? Like, you feel a young person up there with drink, it doesn't matter what time of the night it is, like, there's going to be hassle, like, I mean, like, if a man and a girl go out and someone tries to hit on that girl or if they're being friendly or something, it's going to cause an argument, people full of drink, and especially late in the middle of the night, and then you have taxi owners as well, you have people that are driving taxis that want to get home. So, I mean, like, are taxis really going to wait around to drop people home at that hour of the morning, like? Yeah, and these are all the things that people maybe wouldn't be considering, you know, when when we talk about this in some way, because a lot of people has have canvassed for this to happen for many years, you know, they talk about the nighttime economy but and then, all then of that, you Christine. you go on holidays, like you go abroad on holidays, and like nightclubs are open nearly 24 hours of the day over there, do you know what yeah, I mean? You, I go in, you, you can go into a nightclub over on holidays, and it's like as if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, it could be 11 o'clock in the morning, and it's, it's so dark, the lights are going, and I've had that experience myself as well, and it's crazy, like, so, but like, is that like what we want at home? I like, I kind of like, haven't really thought about it much, but like, mm. I don't know, it's, it's something to see, Christine, it sounds to me as if you've had a fantastic life, do you know? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I say that now. <laughs> it sounds I'm to me like you knew how to party. You knew how to party, I'll bet. <laughs> no, would you believe actually not too much? My sister would have the experience there. I've been the observer. I've been the observer. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Indeed. Tell, I blame tell, it on the sister. Tell me something else that you said to me there just in passing, that if you are tattooed and you say you have quite a few tattoos, are you singled out then? Are you sometimes not allowed oh, 100%. into 100%. Are a hundred, a hundred and ten, a hundred and ten percent. Don't don't tell me about particular venues now, but are you, yeah. th- that would be your general experience, would it? 
Yeah, I've actually had to go into a very popular bar in Limerick, very, very, very well-known popular bar in Limerick, and to have a meeting with the manager. And I actually became very good friends with a security guard in, in that uh premises mm. through this because any time I went up out of like I was with loads of girls and fellas at another stage and my friends thirty at another time and any time we went up I was always you know wearing like a crop top or you know like something you could see my sleeve or sure. tattoos yeah. you could my ta- I have tattoos in my hands and stuff like that as well and um, I've always said no not nice no not and I was just like what is your problem so like about the sixth or the seventh time of getting refused I just had an office and I rang the bar I went in and I spoke to the manager lovely 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 person now Mm-hmm. And she was like, look, the next time that happens and you're outside, ring me and I'll come out. And sure enough, went out to follow a night, went to go in, no, not tonight. And it was the same fella refused me a few times, like, and um, rang her. She came outside. She's like, why are you not letting this girl in? And he's like, oh, she's had too much to drink. And she goes, no, actually, she hasn't drank at all. And I was stone cold sober. And I was eventually let in. But I got actually friends with one of that fella that was refusing me. I was actually became very good friends with a friend of his. Mm. And he was just like, no, he's known for that. Just, just tattoos, just bother. Yeah, just, yeah, just kind of like. Well, Christine, it seems to me that most most younger people now have tattoos. They have full sleeves and all of that. Yeah, but now I have to say, not a few places they wouldn't even bat an eyelid. But this this one place in particular right, was just, just like, yeah. unless you unless you were dressed to like a certain standard and like if you had any like bit of your body shown at all, it was like no, not tonight. Well, well, they must have been so. ver- doing very well in that club to be able to be so. <laughs> Particular. I can't imagine so. <laughs> like you said, the younger generation are very tattooed people now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, do you ever regret tattoos? Um, one or two of them now, you'd be like, oh, what's it like? Uh, what <laughs> what was I, I thinking? After? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, like, I was, like, 13 when I got my first tattoo. And, like, what, what's the 13-year-old has the sense to put something on their body I for know. life? But you know what? I have to say, it's one of my favourite tattoos that I got. Is it indeed? Yeah, well, well, it's, it's on my hand. Yeah, it's one of my favourite ones. Probably a lovely, a lovely memory. I hope your sister won't mind you blaming her as being the. <laughs> Come here, she blame me for enough. I always, I always have to blame her. It's kind of like the, it's a family rule, is really, isn't it? A listener has a question for you. Would you believe they're really dragging you into the conversation here now and saying, "What does Christine think about drugs at the moment?" Now, again, don't be specific for me about places or anything. But is that an issue as far as you're concerned? And and will it be a bigger issue? with longer opening hours? Well, I'd imagine so, like, because people are going to need something to keep them awake, like, you know? So I, I'd only imagine it would be, like, it's going to become an issue at some stage of the night. Well, to keep them awake? Yeah, they're going to have to take, like, the drugs do keep you awake, so they're going to have to take something to keep them awake if they're in a nightclub till six in the morning, like, so that's going to become an issue as well. And would that be the usual, Christine? Would you have seen that over the time, that... Sure, look, you see it here and there, like, you know what I mean, on a night out, but, like, it's, it's like I said, it's the year 2022, and it's what young people are doing these days, unfortunately, but, sure, look. Mm. Yeah, so another listener saying, I wouldn't want somebody coming home from a nightclub at 6 o'clock in the morning and uh, getting into a car and then going to work after one. Well, yeah, they, they yeah, I mean, like, how are you going to go to work the next day if, you, if you're home at 6 in the morning, like, after a nightclub? I, I have no idea in the world. I, I You're really making me feel old today, because, like... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, don't stay out too late anyway, whatever you do anyway, Christy. I'll be ringing to the family. How do you leave to me? I know you're starting work. Don't, don't ring me at three o'clock in the morning anyway. <laughs> Christine, look after yourself. Lovely to talk to you, Christine. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Take so. care. Thank you. Bye-bye, Thanks, Now, that's Christine cheering me up this morning. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is only at 3 311 Fran, nobody is asking pubs to stay open. It just gives an option for an event or an occasion, pubs and clubs can decide on their own hours. And that's a very, very uh, good point indeed. And again, Pat, when I was speaking to him yesterday, I suppose made that point as well. And there's going to be more pre-drinking at home. And uh, they speak about a town in the county. At the moment, there's no chipper open past midnight. Uh, nightclubs open until 6.30. It's the shop deli that will get messy. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Some of the delis are open, of course, very, very early indeed. All right, more coming into us. Let me have a read through it, and I will bring it to you in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie if it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, uh, let me see. One of our listeners saying, uh, Fran, in this day and age, you are old. Sorry. I have feelings, you know. I'm not, I'm not a rock. I have feelings. Somebody else saying, uh, what about all the people trying to go to work at half past six on the Lewis in Dublin and the buses full of drunken clubbers? Yeah, it could be a problem, all right. Uh, somebody else saying, it's not the taxis and other people uh, don't want to work all night. We need to give uh, nightlife a chance. If there is a demand for any business at any time in 24 hours, some people will start new businesses to accommodate demand, just like the European continent uh, have been doing for years. Well, that's true, I suppose, to, to a large extent that this has been happening on mainland Europe for, for so long. And they see it seems to work out to some degree anyway um, this one is interesting uh, I work in a busy pub and nightclub in the county and I do not entirely agree with the late opening hours but the idea that we only target young people and that it's only young people who will be out until 6am is ridiculous as a young person who works most weekends until closing time it's actually a fact that people aged 30 and over uh, trying to stay drinking on past closing time and refusing to leave now I take your point very well, but I love the notion of people over 30 or old. But anyway, 083 Raymond joins me now. Raymond, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you. Today, you have an interesting take on this because you're sort of, you're in favour of the extra uh, hours where pubs are concerned, but not the nightclubs, Raymond. Am I right in saying that? That'd be correct, yeah. Yeah. Tell me why. Well, if you go, like, I mean, if you go to a pub in the nighttime and you're there until half past 12 and then you come out and you head across the street and you go into your local club and you want to be there until 6 o'clock in the morning, fair play to anyone who will be able to keep going, by the way, until 6 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, it wouldn't be me anyway, for sure. No, absolutely, not me no. neither. And I've been to a lot of clubs in my time, but I mean, <laughs> at yeah. the best of times, you'd be, going, you, 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 you'd be getting out, um, i say long before the uh, closing time of 2 o'clock. I think so, you don't be And what, what's your concern is that there would be a lot of drunkenness well, then, is that it? 
Absolutely. I mean, if you're, like, if, you know, if you go to a Pokerdale stock in the nighttime, a bunch of young guys there in their early 20s, and then they head off to the club and they're drinking until 3 o'clock in the morning there, there's no doubt about it there's going to be a house that it is because, you know, they're a little bit over-hypered, so they are on the dance floor or whatever, next thing bounces, take an exception to that. No, no, you know, those boys have to go, and then there's a row, and then you have the guardie outside the door, and mm. next then, you know, you have, like an hour, maybe two hours after that, you have the same thing all over again. You know, this is going to put a strain on, on the Gerda's uh, resources, so it is. There's no doubt about it. I've seen it happen in clubs up to two o'clock in the morning, never mind, say six o'clock in the morning. And, of course, the resources are scarce enough, as we know. Uh, even Absolutely, and we have an awful lot more going on in the country besides the girls want to be dealing with this stuff, you know. The only thing I will say to you, if a club is closing at half past two, for instance, a couple of things are happening. For starts, people tend to drink as much as they possibly can then because they know it's closing. And as well as that, you're firing everybody out onto the street at the very same time who are highly in text. At least this way, it would happen in a more gradual fashion. Do you see anything in that, Raymond? There might, there, there's an element to it, I don't know that about it, but they, the Gardaí are still going to be caught up in stuff that's going to happen and the more that, you know, the longer you're in, um, on a premises, you're not going to drink less, you're going to drink more. Mm. That's just how it works, especially with, you know, the younger people. Those under 30, those old as after 30 were shagged anyway. <laughs> <That's for sure. laughs> well, yeah, when I read that text of the story, when he was talking about old people, I said, OK, well, that must be 50 to say, but he was talking about over 30. God almighty. Well, anyway. I'm 60 and a friend. I still wouldn't consider myself old. Same, same as that, Raymond. Same as that, indeed. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if we're cutting ourselves, but, like, you uh, know, well, who, who yeah. knows? Who knows? Yeah, indeed. we make ourselves feel better. Yeah. Sure, yeah. Have you seen the, the, the pub culture change Drastically over the years. I mean, look, friend, you you can go down to town there in Clamill, and I'm sure any other town in the country um, on a Monday night or a Friday night, and there's very few people in the pubs. Mm. There'll be the one or two pubs in the area that would be popular with the uh, with the younger people. They're going to be busy without a doubt. But generally, the pub scene in this country is gone. Mm. Gone since COVID, it's very hard to get it back. You know, publicans are not doing anything that they like, uh, like they should be doing for to get um, say the, the people back into the pubs. Oh, well, that's interesting. Like like what? Well, if you t- if we say take, a, for, for instance, um, a soccer match on a Sunday, mm. you know, they don't care whether you come in or whether you don't come in. Um, and if you do, you know, a, a simple thing there would be to put on a few sandwiches for a bunch of lads that might be there watching the match and mm. they nearly want to charge you for it. You know, you're putting good money across the counter. A few sandwiches, you know, a slight a bit, a bit of hospitality, a bit of hospitality. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah, yeah. And would you generally? I mean, obviously, you're not going to name names, sorry, but would you generally not see that, Raymond? Is that what you're saying? That you'd see, you, yeah, you'd not see it more than you used to see it. I mean, I remember going to pubs years ago, and uh, on a Friday night, uh, come twelve o'clock, <laughs> mm, yeah. to be a big. Uh, uh, what do you call it? A burger boiler full of soup out of yes, pound yeah. of cheese and, you know, yeah, and you'd bit, be there. You'd a bit be, of soakage, be, as we used to say. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's incredible, all right, you know. And do you know the other thing that strikes me as interesting? Back in the 80s, when we really had nothing and, and there was no jobs or anything, the pubs did a bomb. You know, entertainment was flying. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the entertainment has gone out of the pubs. There's very few pubs even in town, in let's say, that's actually doing music at the moment, you know. Um, yeah. And, you know, anyone that's going into pubs, especially our age, um, our people even over 30, they want to see a bit of music. You know, they want... Uh, you see, the publicans will tell you, no, they can't afford that because they're not... Well, they can't because, they, to be fair, I suppose they can't because they're not getting the cows in there. Mm. 
you know, you, for to justify it, if you want to pay out, I don't know, maybe 200 euros or whatever to be for, for, for a one-man or two-man band, yeah. um, you need people inside us putting money over the counter. You know, and that's not there at the moment. Yeah, well, I, I think the whole entertainment business has been hit so hard that it's just, I, I wonder, will it ever recover? In, 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 you know? It's going to be hard. I mean, look, people are diversifying in, in, in the music industry. They're doing other th- uh, things, you know, as well. Mm. As you know, I mean, I have brothers involved in music. Of course and you have, yeah. You know, and mm. they've, they've taken to Facebook during the COVID and singing and doing some mule stuff on, online and stuff like that. And it's, you know, mm. they've... Kept uh, what I, I'm noticing around the country is that a lot of the hotels now are saying we're no longer doing dancing or anything because they have uh, refugees in the hotel and they feel they can't uh, get the staff to do everything. So the the entertainment is suffering as well, right around the Absolutely. country. Absolutely. I mean, they, at present, you have something like one in four um, hotel, hotel rooms yeah. is, is has, has a refugee inside it. Yeah. Now, I, I, I've just seen lately there, even in Killarney, um, there's more uh, hotels down in Killarney actually doing music now than there was before. I mean, one time, if you were going to Killarney, you had Danny Man in below, mm. or you had the Lynn Eagle, mm. where the entertainment was always, you know, pretty good there. Mm. And now you have the Grand Hotel, there's a few other places there, and they're all doing uh, some sort of music over there. Mm. Oh, are they? I didn't, I didn't realise yeah. that. Yeah, yeah it's only, and, and it's only of late. Right, yeah. right. Well, well, I mean, at least that's uh, good to know. Where is it all going to end, do you think? The, the pub culture like we know, do you think it's it's doomed, really? It'll have to morph into, I don't know, pubs doing food now seems to be the big thing? or Well, food is, I mean, that's what the money is in food, and if you're not doing food, then you're not making money. Simple yeah. as that. You know, the... Um, the the pub, like one time you sell a pub in this country, they bought a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, my father used to say, I was at an inch counter, it worth 10 acres of land or something like <laughs> <laughs> that. You know? And that now, was the case, yeah. That was the case. Now you can buy a pub for, you know, 150, maybe 200,000. Whereas before, if you'd go driving pub one time, might be, you might have been talking one and a half to maybe two and a half million or something like that. You know, if it's a dry place. It's, a, it's incredible. And I remember too that when musicians made a few bob over the years, there were fellas who did well, the first thing they did, of course, was buy a bob. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, you, you'd want to think twice before you'd be doing it nowadays, Raymond. There's very few people getting into the pub trade now, friend. That's that's uh, for certain, indeed. The yeah. drinking at home, uh, finally, as well. That, that's that's new on me too, isn't it? I mean, that really wasn't. Well, the drink. Case. I mean, look, people have always drank at home. Um, you know, I wouldn't be a home drinker now. I'd prefer to go to the pub if I could and have yeah. a few pints and talk to people. You know, it's just more social. If I was, you know, if I was feeling under the weather, certainly I'd have a hot whiskey or something like that at home. Yeah. But yeah. I wouldn't be sitting down at, on, on, on a Wednesday night or even a Saturday night and taking out two or three bottles of wine and saying, right, here we go, and all that, that's it, you know, I'm going to do this. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. You know, but you will have people who are drinking at home, and yes, there is domestic violence, but it's not everybody. I mean, you can't equate all drinking at home um, to domestic violence in the home. Um, absolutely not, but it seems to have emerged during COVID as being, you know, certainly part of... You know the increase in the 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 amount of domestic violence that was out there, Raymond. You know, so that's according to the people in the organisations that look after. Well, yes, and they yeah. shut pubs during COVID, and now they want to open them at six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Do you find that a bit ridiculous? <laughs> it's a bit, a bit ironic. All right. Raymond, it's always good to talk to you. And you look after yourself, and thank you. And you too, Frank. Thank Take you. Bye bye, Janelle. It's Raymond speaking to us this morning. How do you feel? About that, uh, Declan was on to say, Fran, isn't it great talking about nightclubs and pubs opening later? So tell me, where's the poverty?
in this country. Everybody's talking about price increases, mortgage increase, rates up, and yet most garages can't keep new or second-hand cars in stock. People going on foreign holidays, hotels booked out solid every week. So where is the problem, says Declan? 083-311-3311. I was taken with a piece in uh, several of the newspapers today that uh, Pope Francis has warned seminarians in Rome of the dangers of online pornography in a transcript published by the Vatican calling pornography a temptation that weakens the priestly heart. And that is meeting at the Vatican on Monday, the 86-year-old pontiff uh, responded at length to a wide range of questions from priests and seminarians uh, studying in Rome, from reconciling science and faith to uh, trying to live virtuously and uh, amid personal shortcomings as well. But when asked about how digital and social media should be best used to share the joy of being Christians, the Pope cautioned against obsessively watching the news and listening to music that distracts from one's work before broaching a more serious uh, uh, risk. And on this, uh, there's also another thing which uh, you know well, he said, digital uh, pornography, according to the transcript. Now, each of you think if you've had the experience or had the temptation of digital pornography, it's a vice that so many people have, uh, so many laymen, so many laywomen, and even priests and nuns. The Pope said he told the audiences to delete it from mobile phones so you won't have temptation to your hand. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Easy. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Gabriela Mahagapat, and uh, welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. One of our listeners says on uh, WhatsApp, uh, there's a housing crisis, high fuel and living crisis, and hospitals are a disaster. What does the government do? They will extend pub and nightclub hours. What a joke, and that's all they've come up with. And, uh, yeah, and just to make the point I made earlier on, just in case you just joined us, that the latest uh, Ipsos... MRBI poll in today's Irish Times showing the satisfaction rating for the government has gone up. Uh, Fianna Gael up four. Fianna Fáil up one. The Green Party up one. Uh, in the leadership satisfaction ratings, Leo is up 8%. Uh, Michal is up 5%. And Eamon Ryan is up 5% as well. Mary Lou MacDonald up uh, 2% there. So there you go. The three coalition parties seeing a bit of a rebound there in support since the summer. Now, I suppose you might say, if you were cynical... Um, that maybe that's a reaction to the budget, the positive aspects of the budget. So uh, what do you think about that? Do you have an opinion on that? 
083 In the last hour we heard from some of our listeners on Ukrainian refugees. Uh, Jack is a student who commutes and he joins me now. Jack, good morning to you. Hi, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today. You commute to college, Jack. Is that right? Yeah, I do. I'm commuting down to uh, Waterford. Every day? Um, I'm only in Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at the minute. Right. Well, it's, it's a fair old drive for you. Um, would you take accommodation there if you could get it? Um, if I was in now, I'd say an extra day, no, I would take the accommodation, yeah. Right. And is there a difficulty finding accommodation down there? Yeah, there is now at the minute. There's a lot of people commuting and driving down. You can see it in the college, even all the car parks are all full. Right. And that's obviously because uh, of a lack of uh, rooms, I suppose, and a lack of, of flats to let. Yeah, there's not much combination. There was a protest there last week, even. All students walked out of their classrooms at quarter past 11 in yeah. protest. Yeah. And the cost of accommodation, even if you can get it, I guess it's very high as well, is it? Yeah, it's going up every year, yeah. Yeah. Just because there's such a demand for it. But I'm just thinking, Jack, can I ask you whereabouts in Tipperary you're commuting from? Uh, Tintamore. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you, you've a fair old drive. That must be costing you a, an arm and a leg, is it, to drive down and back three days a yeah, week? Yeah, it was for the three days, if you're looking at, at the minute, anyway, nearly 80 euro. Just the diesel's going up. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of money, and that's without food and all the other bits and pieces, I suppose, yeah. too. Yeah. Do you, do you regret, though, that you're not having the full student experience of being on campus and... Um, Ash, I was down there for two or three years. I took the year out. Right. And now I'm back down there again. So that's why I'm only there for the three days. Ah, right, okay. So you've you've had a bit of crack around student I had life. experience, yeah. <laughs> so you, you had all of that. Yeah. What is it like to go back then after a bit of a gap? Uh, is is that... Um, it's all right. It's not too bad now. I just I can go down and come back. At least I can still work in the evenings then as well. That's the, the main thing then with commuting. Ah, right. So you can do something else there as well. Um, you were telling us as well that the student accommodation is more expensive because landlords get more money for housing refugees, is that it? Yeah, one of my friends was down there at the minute and I was just asking him why he moved house and he said the landlord had told him that it's actually worth more money to him to have Ukrainians in his house than students. He can get more money for them, is that it? Yeah, that's what he, he claimed anyway. Right. And the government, I guess, is paying him direct for that then, is that? Is that yeah, I think that's what it would be, yeah. Right. So again, that's going to make accommodation even more scarce then. Yeah, that's 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 what's going to happen. Yeah. Do you know what I'd love to know, Jack? What is the thinking among younger people like yourself, college-going people? What is the thinking about the state of the country at the moment and how we are and the cost of living and all that? What What do young people think of that? Oh, I don't know. It's just always going up and up. Even in college, like if say if someone is there full time, so they can only work the weekend. Are not really going to be able to live off that and trying to pay for accommodation and then trying to live as well at the same time. So money is scarce? Oh, yeah, very. Yeah. So then the notion of the nightclubs opening until six o'clock in the morning and stuff, will will students be able to afford to party right through the night? So, uh, it'd be more house parties now than I'd say if it was down in college anyway. Is that generally the way it is? I would be, yeah, uh, real cheap, you know, get the cheapest drink you can find in and set out then. Right. 
you you wouldn't barely go to the pub even in in college, just straight out to the nightclub then. Right. So you get you have a good few drinks in in at a house party, and then you go to the club. Yeah. Right, so the, the the pub is kind of out of the equation then, is it? Yeah, uh, a small bit anyway, in um, in college, all right, yeah. Well, it was when I, when I was there now. Yeah. I don't really go out now anymore. Do you not? No, I just come back home, save the money. Right, okay. Well, fair fair play to you, Jack. What, what are you studying, can I ask? I'm doing uh, sports and business. Oh, very good. Very good. And will you set up for yourself eventually? Um, I maybe you know at the minute now the best option is I'd say is leaving the country like looking at Australia or somewhere like that. Oh well, so that's and 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 tell me why that is is that because you can't see a future here, Jack? Yeah, like just I don't know there seems to be a lot more jobs going over in Australia. I know a good a good lot of people are going over there now, and they said it's the best thing they've ever done. Yeah. For some reason or other, I, I can't explain, but I always feel sad when I hear that somebody feels. The need to 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 emigrate or something like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's just I would have seen it happen so much over the years, Jack. Well, look, whatever you decide to do, we wish you the very best. Be safe on the roads, anyway, Jack. Won't you? No, really. Yeah. Take Thanks care of yourself and thanks for talking to me. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. You know. Bye bye. Um, that's Jack there. <clears throat> Back to college. Three days a week, commuting from uh, Templemore, but uh, sadly um, going to leave the country. Uh, eventually. 1800 The text and WhatsApp is 083 uh, Fran, our leaders are more popular after the budget as opposed to poor Liz Truss, says Mike. Yeah, her, her mini budget didn't do her much good, that's for sure. Um, do, 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 do. Okay, more coming on. Um, uh, a belated birthday wishes to Jerry Chalk from all the old friends at Chalk's Bar in uh, Clanmel. That comes in from John uh, Joy. Hello to you, John. I hope uh, all is good with you. And uh, lots more coming in on our uh, okay on our text and WhatsApp as well. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie And you're welcome back to Tip Today, Fran. For speeding, uh, some of it should be gradual. Uh, Somebody driving at 55 in a 50k speed zone is much different to somebody doing 70 or 80 in the same zone. Uh, Both being fined, the same is not right. I would go along with you uh, where that is concerned, Paul, and I'm not sure why that is uh, the case, but uh, there you are. When I was very young, France is another listener in London, we had Trade Nightclub uh, open from 2am in the morning until 3pm in the afternoon. So why in God's name shut it at 6am? Keep it open until 3pm, says Austin. I never went in, by the way, as it was mainly trans music. Okay, uh, thanks for that, Austin. Um, I wouldn't be a great one for the nightclubs even back in the day to be honest um, somebody else saying uh, late night clubs oh my god it's bad enough having to drive and collect them at half past two or three um, without extending the closing time um, by that 
time they may not have the cop on to ring home for a lift while parents are awake half the night well you'd be awake the full night Mary in this case I'm afraid uh, until 6 o'clock in the morning yeah I used to have to go and do the collections at 2 o'clock as well yeah I can't imagine what it would be like doing it at six. Anyway, 083 311 It's time for our weekly health slot now with the CEO of Marito 8020, and that's Muriel Cuddy. Muriel, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you today? I'm very well indeed. The notion of staying out till six o'clock in the morning, though, Muriel, I'm not sure. I'm not well, sure I can even cope with that. You know, Fran, I'm with uh, Mary there. I'm just thinking, God almighty, I get the phone call at half one or two o'clock as well. Yeah, can you imagine now? It'll be six o'clock maybe. Well, if it's six, we're actually out of bed, like, and then heading into the next day, isn't it? It's like, yeah, yeah. So that so, might be handier, I suppose. It might be handier, yeah, it doesn't make sense at all. No. You're going to talk to us about managing and preventing injury uh, today, Muriel. Is this something you come across, you know, people injuring themselves unnecessarily? Um, you know, Fran, this, I suppose it, it's all um, part of the, the same circle of everything I talk about. Um, if you go up to any of the sports injury clinics, say the, the big ones in Dublin, etc., they are just mobbed literally out the door with people that are injured on every single level. And that's every single age group. So it's not just the younger ages of the 15, 16, um, heading up now into the early 20s. Yes. Uh, it's older people as well. And like I suppose there was a couple of things that came to mind on this for me. You can look fit but you can be metabolically sick, right? So it's like you don't confuse physical fitness because you look okay with metabolic health. What's under the hood? So if you're not eating properly and looking after yourself, um, so many people are presenting, say, with non-alcoholic fatty liver, um, mm. type 2, pre-type 2 diabetics, um, all the different sides to health. So what's causing inflammation in the body? And we have, say, of all the teams and the teams that I'm involved with and teams that, just as you'd know locally and you're listening to people and, and, and people that are coming through the clinic here, there's so many people injured, like that are of the 18 to 25. One team in particular, I can think of five guys that are injured uh, between the ages of 18 and 28. And another team, senior again, I think it's soccer, um, there's at least four or five guys injured, um, hips, knees, like long-term injuries, not even injuries that are just, you know, that you're back again after a week or you're getting a knock. And what are you putting that down to, Muriel? Well, for me, I suppose something has changed that's making the majority of the hospital population either sick or the inflammation in the body that's making us get injured an awful lot easier. We've invented all these drugs and procedures that we can deal with these. So like all these sports clinics that lads are making like millions out of on the back of it, on the other side, we're poisoning our bodies and we're not doing anything to fix it on, on, on the back end. And I suppose unless we actually start doing that, Fran, and stop doing the poisoning side, and that's even because I've had num- um, numerous people in this week, say, on the gut-related issues, which has affected the liver in, in return. So say if you're taking things like we, what we would call, call poison on the other side that affects the liver, like anti-inflammatory steroids, nexiums, you know, things like this, yeah. Yeah. that they're, they're helping one problem, but they're actually exacerbating or shutting down the system in some form. And we're taking um, much more of them, aren't we? Well, it's so easy, isn't it? Like, I, I, I say it all the time. You come into me and you're not going to get your little bag with your pill or your prescription going out the door yeah. or some form of tablet because we don't agree with that. But people aren't happy unless they have some form of something that they can take. Mm. If it was even a placebo effect that I was handing somebody a Tic Tac, I think the Tic Tac would actually work as well as some of the tablets that people are taking because we feel we need them. We feel we have to have them. And I think that's the issue. It's even with the younger generation, say like even 10, 11, 12-year-olds, pain in my head, you know, can I take a spoon of Nurofen? 
is there Calpol? You know, this kind of thing. That we've gone down the road of, if we actually take some form of medicine, it's going to make us better. Well, that, that's that's interesting, Muriel. You're saying to me that even children are fully aware of medication now to the point yes. of being able to name it. And, and take it for themselves. What am I supposed to take, like 10 mils or 15 mils? Or, and they can tell me, you know, I've, I've, I've had whatever when they come in with parents and that, you know, well, you know, she, their mother might say, you know, I've given them something. Yes, I had 10 mils of Calpol or I had whatever it is, you know. And yeah, and did we know that back in our day? I don't think I was ever I, given a tablet. Or a spoon I remember if I complained I, to my grandfather about having a headache, he'd say, you can't have a headache until you're 16. Yes. That's right. And we got on with it, like... You know. I remember that, yeah. Or yeah. drink, go, go and get this out a glass of water or, yeah, something along those lines. But cod liver oil or whatever, the, the rottenest medicine that was oh, spooned into us. And we definitely didn't want it. But, yeah, so I just think it's the poison that we're feeding our, feeding our body. That's definitely not helping. But, yeah, we need to do something about it and we need to pull back a little. Now, there's a couple of things that we're doing that I thought so I wanted to talk about mm. that have been great, great results. Mm. Um, PRP injections, if you remember when I was talking about Ireland Fish's family last year or the year before, yes, um, and I ruptured my hamstring yeah. and I had to go and get the PRP injection for it. Well, we're finding, now this for me, I suppose, is what can we do to reduce inflammation? What can we do to help the healing process on anyone that's injured? Now, what I'm talking about here it actually helps people that are playing sport. But we've also had people through this week that had, say, uh, uh, one girl in particular couldn't put a shoe on because her foot was so swollen and inflamed. Somebody else had serious knee pain, mm. um, tendinitis, you know, things like that. Mm. So it's it's literally what it is. It's 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 like, um, what should you say, um, an injection of your own blood. So it's a concentration of your own platelets. PRP is platelet-rich plasma. So it's the gold of your own blood that you use to accelerate whatever is injured. So instead of taking tablets and that, if you can accelerate the healing of like an injured tendon or ligament or muscle or joint or whatever it is, by putting your own blood back in, your your, your body isn't going to reject it because it's your own blood. So you're actually running your... You take it out in the tube. So you literally take out a little of your own blood you run it through a centrifuge, which is the machine, and you get the concentrated platelets, which we call the gold, and you put that directly back in then into the injured or diseased body tissue. And that releases growth factors that stimulate and increase um, the cells, the cells your body repair and reduce inflammation. It, it, it's just, it's amazing. And to actually see it working, Fran, is, right. is, 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 and I think this is the way. Now, a lot of the sports injury clinics um, and a lot of guys that are in the know now are actually starting to realise that these are the areas that we need to concentrate on. Right. And, and does that work very quickly? Very quickly. Yeah, very quickly. You literally, you can feel the difference, you know, within one or two sessions. Yeah. So you'd wait, you might do a session this week and you might wait three weeks before you do the next one. Mm. Um, but yeah, you, you can see the difference. And you know, it's even used for things around like um, hair loss, uh, receding hairline, uh, like so many different things. Yeah, to, to improve the look oh. of skin. All of that kind and of it thing, rejuvenates yeah. in some way, is that it? Rejuvenates, that's literally, because your body won't react it and it is your own blood, so it's stimulating from within. So that's like what it. it's actually doing, you know, and it's improving function, it's reducing pain. They're all the things that we're finding and that reduces the need then for the anti-inflammatories or the stronger medications or the steroids or whatever it is because, yeah, it's coming from within. So these are areas that I think we really need to start concentrating on and find out, you know, what mm. can we do instead. So like, you know, cryotherapy, that's another one. What is that though? So cryotherapy is literally like the ice, the eye in the rice component. Mm. So if anybody knows ice, like, you know, rest ice, compression, and elevation, if you're injured or whatever. Mm. So cryotherapy is very like that. It's you're, you're, you're increasing blood flow to injured muscles or sore muscles or giants or whatever. Mm. And the extreme cold, when it's applied to the area, that stimulates the, oxygen, the oxygenated blood flow. And that reduces the tension inflammation as well. 
Okay, and the minute you reduce the tension inflammation, then you get stronger muscles and joints. The muscle relaxes, you see, so the tension is gone. So when the muscle relaxes, it allows the muscle to heal, if that makes sense. Wow. And you know, it's when, you, when you're playing sport or even when you're, say if you're even gardening, and if you're stressing that you're not getting enough done or like any kind of emotional mm. stress, that increases inflammation and that increases inflammatory disorders. So if you're prone to getting injuries or you're prone to aches and pains, we have to reduce the inflammation. So if it's not happening through your diet and your lifestyle and you're not able to get that right, or maybe that's okay and that's fine, but the inflammation is still there through stress. These are things that you should be looking mm. at. And can can, can that treatment be very localised? Oh, yeah. Well, cryotherapy pen. So you can do the baths and all of that kind of thing and you see the lads jumping into them and they're on telly and I think mm. you've seen mm. it at every level in Ireland. There's family and all mm. the different pieces. Oh, my God, that's freezing. I've done that. Yeah, <laughs> it mm. works, but it is so cold, Fran. You'll oh, have to do God. it at some stage. Because, uh, no, um, thanks, Muriel. You actually feel like you're going to die when you get into the, <laughs> into the bath. Um. I can't imagine, yeah. I can't but the imagine. pen, or the localised one, they're much easier. Um, and they're the ones that we use and they're the ones we like. So say if it was like a hamstring injury or your elbow or neck pain or, you know, um, we've been treating, and this is funny, um, people who listen to this and say, God, oh God you know, mm. your liver, the pain for your liver, so if your liver is clogged and it needs to detox or you need to actually pull back from different areas, be it your food, alcohol, stress or whatever it is, the pain from your liver can come out under your shoulder, the top of your back, or it can come out just at your ribcage or just underneath your lower back. The top of your back is one of the areas that people are presenting with. For, for your pain. liver? Your liver. The pain wow. from your liver can actually come out through your back, yeah. If, it, if it's under chronic, under savage pressure that it needs to, it needs to um, um, right. shockify or we need to actually bring it back to the health that it needs to be in. So you can use things like cryotherapy to reduce the pain and inflammation to mm. stop it being a sore. And then you do you work on the other side because your gut is related to your liver, is related to your brain, is related to the pain. They all go together. So mm. it's all a bigger picture. So if people aren't feeling well, it's really important to try and work your way back to like, why am I not feeling well and when did it start? Like, I would have had a person yesterday that um, had a thyroid issue. And when we worked it all the way back, it actually went back to when intolerance issues had started with them about 10 years ago. Mm. So it was mm. all related. The system was breaking down, if that makes sense. So instead of putting things in, so he was on three or four different tablets for different things and he was offered two other tablets in the last week or whatever. And at this stage he said, no, I have to stop. In fact, his wife said, no, you have to stop and see, can we actually slow this down and see where it's coming from? So that's what we're working, at, at the, working on at the minute. So that's why I'm talking about things like PRP and, brand, and cryotherapy and health yes. and anything we can do. To, and and yeah. somebody wondering, Muriel, if um, cryotherapy can help where arthritis is concerned yeah. and yeah. arthritic situ- situations. What, what about that? Absolutely. Once it reduces inflammation, brings blood flow to the, to the area, it'll help. Right. You need to do a few sessions. I actually have a lady coming in at one o'clock today. And her knees are in an awful state. She's had one knee replacement and she's waiting about four years for the other knee replacement. Um, and of course, while she's waiting, the knee that she's had replaced is under pressure because the other knee is, is in a state or whatever. But we'll do cryo on her, um, on her knees to reduce and just help. That it'll actually reduce the pain for the next whatever week or 10 days or two weeks so that she can actually just get up, go around. She can't do steps, she can't do anything like that. But the cryotherapy will just give her movement again and right. reduce the pain so she can sleep again. So, yeah, and it, it, it's ice, so it's so natural. It's not going to affect, if that makes sense. It's, it's, it's absolutely cool. Very good. So so it lasts for a period of time then? It lasts for a period, yeah. It, uh, but over time, the inflammation will subside 
that in certain cases, now in some in- instances, it's not miracle like, you know, uh, anything isn't miracle. But in a lot of instances, when once we do three or four sessions, the person is fine, absolutely okay, that the information has gone completely mm. and they don't need to come back again. You know, so there's quicker recovery times that they're actually back to where they need to be. The circulation is back to where it needs to be. Um, you know, even resistance to fatigue, things like that, helps all of those kinds of things. So, yeah, in some instances, it's full recovery. In others, like arthritis, the arthritis isn't going to go away. So the inflammation and pain are always going to be there. Mm. But if it's made more manageable and bearable, that's what it's about. All right, it's very, very, very interesting. And that, that uh, first therapy that you were talking about where therapy. you use your own blood, what is that called yes. again? called PRP, platelet-rich plasma. Okay, very very yeah. good idea. And they're, in, they're injections, um, friends. So for anyone that's wondering about the difference, these are injections and you're putting your own blood back into your into your body, into your tissue or whatever is, whatever is um, injured. Um, with cryotherapy, it's not. It's literally um, ice, like dry ice, and it's sprayed on the area, like a localised area or whatever. So that's non-invasive, whereas the other one is a little bit more invasive. All right, very good. And again, if people want to talk to you about this and find out a bit more, Muriel, how yes. can they do that? Can I just say two things, right? Two, yeah. two, two, two just little tips for people yeah. if they want to. Um, a hot bath. Do you remember the Epsom salts years ago? Yes. And we were told to put Epsom salts, straw toxins and all the different bits and pieces. Well, if you can do a hot bath with a handful of Epsom salts, half a cup of baking soda and I think a couple of drops of lavender oil. Yes. And you can stay in it for 15, 20 minutes or whatever. That reduces inflammation and soreness, soreness and pain. Mm-hmm. It does drive the toxins we used to talk about before and it also lowers the stress. So the old-fashioned Epsom salts and get into the bath that definitely helps. And the other thing that helps as well, so if you're not a fan of baths and you like showers, mm. you know the eucalyptus oil or eucalyptus, like eucalyptus plant, if you could get like a small eucalyptus, mm. eucalyptus mm. plant. Hot water can help diffuse the eucalyptus plant into the air. Okay, And that again helps, it helps open up the lungs, it helps fight infection, um, helps calm you down, helps with pain. So many different things. So just those two things are very simple if anybody's at home and they want to try and Lovely. Sounds yeah. very interesting indeed. Again, yeah. if people want to make contact with you, Muriel? Yes, uh, it's 083-095-9138. All right, just before I let you go, can I just bring you into the conversation that we've been having throughout the morning, which is mm-hmm. about, you know, extended opening hours and all of that, and therefore possibly um, drinking more alcohol. And now, you and I both, let, let's hold our hands up here, we enjoy a glass of wine, Muriel, so we're, we're not prudish about this. But, what are your thoughts about, you know, I mean, drinking to such an excess of, you know, raw spirits and stuff like that? What what about what what that is doing to us? Do you know what, Fran? Um, as good simple as even as you say it, it frightens the living daylights out of me for the younger generation. I think for uh, our age, there's only a certain amount we can drink. So, like, yeah. I know my limit and yeah. I'm going to stop whether I'm out at 12 o'clock or 3 o'clock or it doesn't really matter to me. It might, but, like, the younger generation don't know when to stop. And they're not able. And they're mixing it with so many other stimulants. And they're falling out of nightclubs or they're kicked out at half one or two o'clock. And like Mary said there earlier on about collecting them, we're actually so pleased as parents to go and collect them when you get the call because you know they're okay and they're in the car and you have them home. Yeah, Yeah, and you can go to sleep. They're not going to be kicked out of nightclubs anymore. Now, I know it's it's more like uh, the cities or whatever, but the cities like the Corks and the Dublins are where the college students are. And these, this is the, um, it's not going to affect the 25 plus that have a bit of cop on and people that are working in that. And, you know, the same thing, they'll know when to stop. And you might have an odd night that, that you'll get really drunk or whatever. But the college students and the ones that don't have the cop on, so many of them are after ODing from different things. And this will happen more and more, I think, for this age group. So I don't know how they're going to monitor it, but I definitely think nightclubs and um, people that put them out in the street or whatever, I don't know whether they'll feel responsible for them or not. But somebody's going to have to be responsible. 
um, because you're going to see an awful lot more of it. I think we're going to hear an awful lot more about young people, um, and I don't mean deaths, but along that line, because it frightens me to that extent. And if they drink very heavily for a period of time when they're 19, 20, 21 or whatever, is there a long-term effect in your experience, Muriel, of that? You know, most people, most um, get over it. Um, and even, you know, whatever you do to your liver, your liver is really good at bringing itself back to where it needs to be. So there isn't a long-term effect when it comes to that. It does affect brain cells. Um, and the girls laugh at me here because I've constantly listened to podcasts and all the different bits and pieces on how different things affect us. And alcohol is one of the things that we actually know it does kill brain cells and reduce the capacity for you to think, concentrate and all of those those kinds of things. And for them to come back, the research is still ongoing that people just don't know how alcohol actually affects their brain. And even say, even for our generation, Fran, um, they're talking about a drink a night or you can have seven or eight drinks mm. and you're safe to have it. Mm. Drinking every day doesn't work and binge drinking at the weekend doesn't work. You have to have the two or three or four days off in between or it will affect your brain cells. Um, you, you know, that they do die off and they don't come back and that does affect then long-term memory and concentration and whatever. So for the younger generation, there's so many things in front of them. So many exciting things, but so many things that are pulling them in the wrong direction. Yeah. And they're going out now at 10 o'clock, half drunk, because it's so expensive to drink and it's expensive to get into a nightclub. So I don't know, will they just go out at 12 o'clock, more drunk, and go into these places then and get more drink? I don't know, but it frightens me. It, it, it certainly is scary. Muriel, you look after yourself. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Good, good morning to you. That's uh, Muriel Cuddy there, who's CEO of Marito. Uh, 8020 speaking to us about various different uh, new therapies as well as everything else. Now our own Eamon O'Dwyer is in Semple Stadium for this week's Down Your Way for a service honouring Nina Erog's Jubilee team. The ceremony which was organised by the County Board preceded last weekend's uh, County Final. Now Eamon spoke to members uh, from that legendary team and began with uh, John Heffernan, legendary hurler and indeed proud Nina man. Here's just a little of what you can expect this Saturday. I'm delighted after 27 years. It's unbelievable to figure out how fast the years are after going. Yes. But we're here anyway, and everybody's here, which is even better. Meeting up with some lads you didn't meet for a while. Mr. God, we only passed them and we wave at each other now, so we'll get to talk to each other today, which is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. Then you had the seat of honour in, in the stadium. Yeah, we don't have to buy tickets today, anyway, <laughs> which is a help. Yeah, that's a lot. That's the yeah. bottom. How uh, long has changed a bit in the last number of years? Yeah, the game's changed dramatically since we were playing and it's it's uh, it's hard to get my head around it now, but it's the game that's there now. Mm. And this is the game that the youngsters are coming up with, so they just have to go with it. I'm sure in our time, people 20 years before has thought the game had changed as well, so that's just <laughs> the, the way the game evolves. I was talking to uh, Francis Luckman the other day, I was down in Ross Grey, we were doing a celebration with them, 50 years and all the rest of the All-Am Club final. And he was he'd love to be hurling now because it's a different type of game totally from his day because he had every break in the world with his injuries. Yeah, I wouldn't mind playing now because the full back line are where I used to play a cornerback. In our day you had to it was a man marking job. Now you just seem to have more freedom and you could hurl. So I often said to the lads I wouldn't mind playing in this in this era. But in your day if you were playing cornerback and you found yourself Buff corner forward fairly, fairly quick. What, what would the, the management say to you? Oh, I'd say my next move would be out in the line. In, 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 in my day, if, uh, if a guy got more than two or three scores off you, you'd be looking out to the line to go out. Yeah. Now it doesn't seem to matter. It's just it's all about how many balls and how many players you can get onto and yeah, yeah. away you go. 
Yeah. Yeah. Have you enjoyed your career? Yeah, I played 23 years senior with Nina, and I played, uh, finished up playing junior A with Conor Donovan and Noel Coffey, and then finished up after that playing junior B. So I absolutely loved loved playing hurling for Nina. So what do you do in your own life as a career? I'm I'm self-employed as a haulage contractor for the last 32 years. Yeah, okay. So I'm going around Ireland every day of the week trying so, trying to make a living. Absolutely, good to, good to be doing it. Uh, yeah. Of course, the price of uh, oil and all that kind of stuff is uh, generating uh, th- yeah. unbelievable interest in companies. Yeah, diesel has put terrible pressure on everyone, but you just have to adapt and get on with it. Absolutely. It's yeah. like it's like. Uh, going four pints down in a county final and you can't lie down under it you have to get up and get on with it and try and turn it around that's a positive attitude um, just before I go uh, a few articles that have been written about the two teams playing today that they said their success has come from their underage development I just like to go back to when we were there the younger players in our team the late John Tucker coached every single one of them all through their juvenile career and that led to our success in 95. Mm-hmm. So I'd just like to make that point today. He's not, here, he's not here with us today, but I'm sure he's looking down at us with his son and they're both having a drink and smiling at us. Absolutely. Listen, nice to say a lot to us every day. John Heffernan, thanks for sending it all. Much, okay. Uh, Billy Flannery is with us. How are you doing, Billy? Sitting Very down well. for a cup of coffee. That's at, right. Uh, what a, one o'clock in the day. One o'clock in the day is right, yeah. Yeah, it's good to be with us. Oh, no, it was great. You know, you'd never think 27 years have passed since we won a county final, like, you know? Absolutely. You won the selectors on the day? I, yeah, myself and Liam Heffernan and Padge O'Healan was the, the... The coach. The coach, yeah. Mm-hmm. We were the two... Well, the two of us selectors that time now, you know? Amazing the thing has changed completely, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Huh? Yeah. You know? So what can you remember of your golden days? Well, do you see... It was casual, I think, we beat in the semi-final and we were lucky enough to get over that one, like, you know. Mm. Uh, Robbie Tromlin scored a goal on his knees, that got us through, like, you know. But our bulky team were Tumivara at the time. <laughs> no matter how many times we played them, they beat us, you know. But Borderland then, we played them in the final. Mm-hmm. And we won that easy, like, you know. I remember saying to Liam Heffernan with about 10 minutes ago, I said, look, we're home and dry. We couldn't be caught, like, you know. And it's amazing, you know, what happens in, in games, like, you know. Yeah, Liam Arthur got a goal in the last second. That's it, yeah. Yeah. You know. But, uh, but the most amazing thing is, we've been in five or six since and, and won none, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Beating a point. Why would you see that? Uh, amazing, I don't know. We should have won a couple, like, you know, but we didn't. And that was it, like, you know. But we didn't, uh, just one just of those things, like, you know. County finals are hard to win. Take a foot off the pedal in ten minutes to go. Near enough. Now Turles beat us and... Uh, Lockmore beat us and they all only beat us a point like you know you know it could have went either way like you know we uh, we were a bit unlucky a couple of years but sure look that's hurling isn't it absolutely whether we like it or not uh, look have a good day today I know it's a great day for all you guys you'll meet all your friends as well amen thank you very much a break from music this time great group of musicians I've met them a number of years ago down in Nina the Mossies they sound like this
sounds great, doesn't it? Uh, that's uh, the party that is down your way. And uh, that's a little portion of down your way. You'll hear it in full tomorrow morning, I uh, beg your pardon, Saturday morning from uh, 10 o'clock. And uh, it's a very special programme honouring uh, Nina's Aerog uh, Jubilee team. So we want to wish everybody the very best where that is concerned. Friend, listening to Jack, uh, not surprised by him saying he plans to emigrate. We're a conveyor belt of emigration for our best young people. No wonder all our services are third world, housing, health, etc. Young doctors, nurses, teachers, medical professionals, tradesmen and women, all emigrated are planning to emigrate because they have no future here. And our elected representatives just don't care, says one of our listeners. Um, Fran, in relation to the student talking about accommodation and the outlook in Ireland going forward, it's very bleak here. I have three grown-up children living at home and I can see they will never get a house of their own. Most banks need evidence that you've been in long-term employment and have the means to pay back a mortgage. A recent survey said that if you're renting in your 40s, the chances of you having a mortgage is very, very low indeed. Many young people will simply emigrate, and I'm really enjoying the show, says that listener. Thank you very much indeed for that. Somebody else pointing out that a spoon of natural raw honey and a half clove of garlic will fix anything. You won't have any friends, but you'll be healthy. And uh, also this person goes on to say plenty of fresh water throughout uh, the day as well. We'll take a break and then we have farming on the way. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Time to talk farming now and I'm glad to be joined by Pat O'Toole who is political correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, Frank. Good to talk to you today. <laughs> Farmers, Pat, being advised to check whether any of their land might fall subject to the new residential zoned land tax. Will you explain that to us? Uh, I'll try. Uh, so, um, around the country, a lot of land is zoned uh, residential and um, a lot of farmland. So, uh, obviously, there's a lot of zoned land in towns and our cities and around in our villages, but, but a lot of hinterland is also zoned. And a lot of it was quite arbitrary. That it looks like planners just drew a circle around a town and everything in it was zoned. So, and um, there are different uh, categorizations. Some is zoned in industrial um, usage, but mm. but the majority of our zoned land is zoned residential, and uh, it's just sitting there being used by farmers as farmland. Yes, we, but the designation uh, all, uh, is sitting there from the boom, with very little interest shown in this land. But um, we now have this new residential zoned land tax coming in. And it will apply to any lands that are zoned and serviced. So there's a specific definition of serviced. Um, it, it needs to have uh, public infrastructure such as footpath access, road access, public lighting, foul sewer drainage, surface water drainage and water supplies. <clears throat> uh, so that's quite a lot of services. Um, so a lot of farmers would expect that they won't be liable. But having said that, um, the uh, possibility is there for farmers to apply to have their land dezoned. 
uh, if, if it is zoned. And uh, on uh, at the start of November now, every local authority is required to uh, print and publish maps where everybody will be able to see what land is zoned. And from then until the end of the year, which is only two months, farmers have the opportunity to dezone. If you dezone your land, if you apply to dezone your land and you're successful, well, then you're escape the noose of this tax and it's a significant tax mm. it will be three percent of the value of the property per annum um so oh, you know yeah. that that runs into it, it could easily run over 500 euros an acre a year um which right. is very significant but what is behind this pad i mean is it to push farmers into using this land to maybe develop or something is that is that what well it, it, it's it's to deal with we have have currently the vacant site levy. And yeah. the, the target of that is to free up land for building. Um, they're one of the issues uh, with our massive housing problems in this country is that not enough houses are being built and developers uh, and individuals uh, who are trying to uh, source a site to build mm. are saying that they can't get suitable sites. We also have you know, county development plans where they are targeting building houses instead of the you know, one-off housing that we're used to, and farmers have an issue with that because they believe they have the right to build on, on their farms where they live and work, um, and that it's logical to do so. But an awful lot of county development plans want houses in clusters and in urban areas for environmental reasons, for strategic planning reasons. Uh, so you have all those factors pulling uh, towards freeing up land which is designated suitable for, for building. And, and that's the focus of this tax. But farmland is meant to be exempt. We've had huge battles over the vacant site levy since mm. it was first introduced, not so much in Tipperary, but in Kilkenny and Cork, two counties most Tipperary people will be aware of. Um, there were huge battles. And uh, a, a farmer from Cork, Alan Navratil, successfully overturned his presence on the vacant site register and his liability to the vacant site levy, which is a 7% of the assessed value of the land per year. Um, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. he, he had to go to a judicial review in the High Court to have uh, to win his case against the uh, Cork County Council. Um, yeah, it's, it's so it's, it's been fraught for years, and farmers need to check. I suppose the first thing everyone needs to do is, is check are you on the register, and then do you want to take action if you are not mm-hmm. if you're on the register, but if your land is zoned. But what, uh, you why would action? you why would you dezone? Because I mean, agricultural mm-hmm. land would be worth an awful lot less than land that's zoned for housing. Yeah, um, but a lot of farmers don't want to sell their land. They have okay. no interest in selling right. their land. And, and there's, there's probably, there's a lot of land which is zoned, which is not suitable. Um, it was just uh, thrown in because, to be honest, I, I spent quite a bit of time looking at the vacant site levy over the last six, seven years. And uh, uh, our county development plans are are not, uh, they're not watertight. There's a lot of right. a lot of old decisions which now look, like poor decisions in terms of where land is zoned and where it isn't zoned. Um, and farmers are entitled, I suppose, to say, look, I, I'm, I have no interest in selling part or all of my farm for development. Um, and if there's a strategic interest, if it is in the public interest, well, then you're talking about where a CPO has pursued a compulsory purchase order and uh, the land taken into uh, yeah. Uh, but as things stand, farmers would say this is a developer's charter to create a huge land bank to allow developers to buy land up cheaply because the bigger the land bank available to developers, the, 
built, the less they have to pay for land to uh, yeah. to build it's, on. That's interesting, isn't it? But a lot more clarity needed on that, I would imagine. Pat. Massively, yeah. Um, could we finish by talking about this plan to ban crop and and, and rush sprays um, by twenty twenty four, Pat? Yeah. Um, so this is a huge story that Andy Doyle has on our front page, our tillage editor. So uh, under the small print, w- which Andy is very good at reading, in the new EU Sustainable Pesticides Directive, mm. um, all pesticides, and that is fungicides, which are to spray uh, crops for disease, insecticides, which are to target pests, herbicides to spray weeds, and all other plant protection products would be banned all over the country. Uh, so not just for tillage farmers, but for grassland farmers, to spray rushes, anything. Uh, so this would all be banned because the entire country is classified as a nitrates vulnerable zone. Mm. So that, that would be catastrophic for the tillage sector. Um, it would be such a sudden change. The reality is that I, I would expect that this will be negotiated um, pretty strongly and there will be significant changes to that proposal. Mm. But there are a whole other raft of proposals within this uh, Sustainable Pesticides Directive. And as you rightly say, this will be coming in in 2024, which is, it's only 14 months away. (laughs) It's not not a long lead in at all. What would the alternative be there, Pat? Well, the alternative is organic uh, tillage farming, but it's not simple. I'm I'm a tillage farmer myself. Yeah. The reality is we have a warm, wet climate uh, and uh, for, for significant parts of the year, it's getting drier, it's getting warmer, but uh, it, it's quite humid in Ireland and that leads to fungal infections on our crops, which attack it and need plant protection. Um, we also have a, a lot of herbicide issues um, because weeds grow in our very quickly in our climate, as do crops. We actually can outgrow almost any other part of the world in terms of our yields from our crops, but we can also grow weeds better than most mm. other countries. So we need these products. Um, farmers are becoming much better at using them more judiciously. There is the Sustainable Use Directive uh, it, it encourages people to use what's known as IPM, Integrated Pest Management. So when you identify a pest, whether it's a weed, a fungal infection, or an insect, you um, you then have to look at all the options to minimise that threat before you uh, use a chemical. Uh, and like for ourselves, and a lot of farmers, like we don't use insecticides anymore, haven't for years. And we're part of a project here on the farm uh, where we're looking at aphids and the presence of aphids on our farm. They bring a lot of disease onto crops and uh, we're monitoring uh, the movement of aphids and we're trying to learn how to manage aphids without using pesticides because pesticides affect, uh, or insecticides which would affect uh, other, uh, you know, other species. So, Do you think uh, there will be negotiation on this to some degree anyway? Well, I think there'll have to be. I mean, to to wipe out all pesticide usage uh, in, in the space of 14 months would shut down tillage farming in this country. And it's not its not just in Ireland, it's all over Europe. Whether this is co-trailing by the legislators, whether they don't understand it, whether it's trying to set one type of farming against another, because the reality is the nitrates vulnerable classification, that's closely linked to the derogation, which is really for dairy farmers. And whether this is a political power game within Brussels, which is pitting farmer against farmer, farmer organisation against farmer organisation. But 
Look, Andy has uncovered this story and we'll see how it plays out. I expect there to be a massive reaction and debate on this issue I'm sure within the sector. I'm sure there will yeah. indeed. Pat, uh, thanks very much indeed for coming on with us. Uh, thank you. Good morning to you. That's Pat O'Toole there, as political reporter with the Farmer's Journal. And the journal is on your, your shelves right now. In fact, I was reading uh, this morning in the Farmer's Journal that uh, Macra's annual conference will be held this weekend in Tipperary in the Ballycastine Golf Club um, over the weekend. And organisers saying the weekend will include the annual Young Farmers Conference, Farm Walks, competitions, Macra's first Pride Colour Run, live music and uh, entertainment for members to enjoy as well. All right, news and information is coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, you're welcome back to Tip Today, 1800 Now, as you know, we're with you every morning from nine, and uh, just after nine this morning, Christine spoke to us um, about uh, her views, really, on the whole nightclub opening hours and all of that. Here's a little of what uh, she had to say to us. People are going to need something to keep them awake, like, you know. So I, I'd only imagine it would be, like, it's going to become an issue at some stage of the night. Well, to keep them awake... Yeah, they're going to have to take, like, the drugs do keep you awake, so they're going to have to take something to keep them awake if they're in a nightclub till six in the morning, like, so that's going to become an issue as well. And would that be the usual, Christine? Would you have seen that over the time, that... Ah, oh, you sure, look, you see it here and there, like, you know what I mean, on a night out, but, like, it's, it's like I said, it's the year 2022, and it's what young people are doing these days, unfortunately, but, you look... Mm-hmm. Yes, I know the listener saying I wouldn't want somebody coming home from a nightclub at six o'clock in the morning and uh, getting into a car and then going to work after work. Well, yeah, they, they yeah. I mean, like, how are you going to go to work the next day if, you, if you're home at six in the morning, like after a nightclub? I, I have no idea in the world. I, I, you're really making me feel old today because. Like, <laughs> well, I feel ancient, and it's my birthday <laughs> next week, so I might have to visit one of these nightclubs. <laughs> Well, don't stay out too late anyway, whatever you do anyway, Christy. I'll be ringing to the family. How do you leave Tommy? I know you're starting work. Don't, don't ring me at three o'clock in the morning anyway. <laughs> and that is uh, Christine speaking to us this morning just after nine o'clock. And uh, we start every weekday morning here, of course, with Tip Today at nine o'clock. Now, the Clonmel World Music Crew, delighted to welcome back Makem and Clancy to the Manila Hotel uh, tomorrow night. The last play to a full house in the Manila in 2019. And uh, the Clonmel show was the showcase event of this autumn tour with a full band and special guests. And a real treat for you today because I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by Rory Makem and Donald Clancy. You're both very welcome, lads. Thanks very much indeed. Thanks for having us, friend. It is a thrill to be here. Great to see you both again. Uh, 2019, last time round. How how did you both deal with uh, COVID, Donald? Do you want to take that first of all? How was. Yeah, the same as everybody else. Did you hang up the guitar? Hung up the guitar and yeah. sat at home, scraped away in my fiddle. And uh, <laughs> Luckily, I live in the countryside down there near Dungarvan. Yeah. So 
it was a fine summer and I was walking and swimming in the sea and enjoying the time off actually. In, Did you have to cancel a lot of stuff? Was everything there? was cancelled? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Everything was cancelled. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing going on. Right. And Rory, did you have big plans? Had your touring plans? I had uh, the best year in the music business was to be. Uh, And I've been doing this a long time, 30 years, and uh, in four days, everything cancelled. Wow. And uh, we hung everything up, and I took out my wife's honeydew list and started ignoring that. (laughs) So, (laughs) and filling out forms, you know, governmental forms, trying to... Yeah. Pay the bills here, so. Uh, where did you base yourself? Uh, I'm in just north of Chicago yeah, okay. in the United States, yeah. You have to go where the, the wife's uh, health insurance is. My <laughs> wife works in Chicago, so that's where we are for now. The romance of it all. You have to go where the health insurance is. have to go where the health insurance, and we'll try to get my daughter through high school, and then I've got my eye on South Armagh. <laughs> See if I can talk her into that. I'm, I'm sure you none better to do so, indeed. Can we start with a piece of music? Will you do something for us? What, what do we do, Don? Um, well, we might try a bit of the, the Whistling Gypsy Rover. Something to ease us in. It's very yeah, early in the morning, Francis, indeed, singing songs. Indeed it is, John. Indeed You're it torturing is. us, but we'll give it a go. sang till the green woods rang and he won the heart of a lady he whistled and he sang till the green woods rang and he won the heart of a lady she left her father's castle gate She left her own fond lover She left her servants in her state To follow the gypsy rover Ah-dee-doo, ah-dee-doo, sang till the green woods rang and he won the heart of a lady her father saddled up his fastest steed and wandered the valleys all over he sought his daughter at great speed and the whistling gypsy rover sang till the green woods rang and he won the heart of a lady he came at last to a mansion fine down by the river so shady and there was music and there was wine for the gypsy and his lady Then he sang till the green woods rang And he won the heart of a lady He's no gypsy, my father, she cried But lord of these lands all over 
And I will stay till my dying day With the whistling gypsy Sang till the green woods rang, and he won the heart of a lady. One more time. Adi do, adi do, da day. Adi do, adi day. He whistled and he sang till the green woods rang, and he won the heart of a lady. What a treat. You know, you sound so like Liam and Tommy. It's a, I know it's not a put-on thing. It's obviously a family thing, but it's just such a remarkable... Do people say that to you all, all of the time, Robert? I do get it, and I get it more and more as I get older and older. Yeah. Yeah. So here you're doing the baritone harmonies there. Oh, yeah. So like Tommy's voice. Well, I've heard, I, I guess I heard them so much. Yeah. Both of us were lucky enough to play backup for our fathers yeah. for a long time. I played guitar for my father for... 17 years. Did you? I did the math one time. I, I wrote it all down. The only person on stage with my father more was Donald's father, Liam. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Uh, but I got to watch him, and he was my hero. And I got to sit beside him every night and watch him ply his craft. And he, they, Liam and my father were the best at it. And uh, it seeped into my head. My father said, the singing runs in the family like a wooden leg. <laughs> 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 well, the best concert I ever saw in my life was Liam and Tommy in the Opera House in Cork, ever. And that goes right across different genres and everything. I never saw any group of people capture an audience in the palm of their hand as if we were in a living room somewhere. They're though. amazing at it, yeah. That's, that's really just, remarkable. Yeah. And, they had and so much I, experience over the... They spent 30 years... Yeah. In various forms with the Clancy brothers and Tommy Macon first and then later on as a duo. So they got to know each other yeah. musically at that level, you know, where they're... But it was so much more than music, you know. I well, think yeah. You felt they were talking to you and singing to you. In well, they came up, I was talking about yesterday on the radio. When my father was in his late teens and early 20s, the, the theatre was his passion. Mm -hmm. And he studied, studied it. He wrote about it in his autobiography the time and, and, you know, what he put into that learning to project and to pronunciate and, the, you know, to leave space for dramatic effects and dynamics and everything else. Yes. And he brought all that into his, his you know, into his music. Yeah. So he had those, uh, he had that, those skills there that he, he could, those Absolutely, tools that he could yeah. use. And into the recitations as well. I mean, they were yeah. so oh. powerful, you know. Just Nobody so better, powerful, yeah. Powerful, really, really. And, and to hear you there was almost emotional for me because it brought me back such fantastic memories. Um, did you have favourite stuff over the year? Like, of your father singing, I'd have to say Gentle Annie was my favourite. Oh, Gentle I Annie. I absolutely loved it to bits. Uh, it's a know? hard one to get through. He wrote it for my mother, though her name wasn't Annie. But uh, yeah, that's. I think he wrote so many great songs. Yeah. Four Green Fields. Four Green Fields, of course, yeah. Would be my favourite. Uh, Farewell to Carlingford or yeah. Boys of Killy Beggs. Oh, uh, did he write the Boys of Killy Beggs? He I wrote the Boys of Killy Beggs, yeah. yeah. Town of Bally Bay, there was a lassie dwelling. Uh, he wrote a great song called Give the Woman in the Bed More Porter. More porter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cattle Dunn had a hit with that, I think. Yeah. Uh, so many great songs. Uh, he came from. 
music was so important growing up for them. Yes. They played it for entertainment, and they played it, my granny would say, down at the foot parlor. After a day's work was done and the bread was made for the next day, they would all gather and sing songs or recite poetry or play a tune on the whistle or the mouth organ, and they'd all dance and then go home and do it all again the next day. And uh, I think that's what they took on stage with them was that uh, experience from their youth yes, and their experience from theater and knowing how to bring it onto stage. And uh, we've tried to emulate that our whole careers, and, but nobody could do it better than they could. So right. well, keep trying. Well, I know that it's been hugely successful for you when, when you get together. How is the tour going so far? You've been all over the shop so far, haven't you? Yeah, we started up in Bally Buffet in Donegal. Yeah. That was some drive up from Dungarvan. <laughs> kind of bad. And uh, then we were in Sligo and the Town Hall Theatre in Westport. Yeah. And across to Dundalk. So yeah. it was good actually up that. Um, up to now we've gotten great crowds down this neck of the woods. Yeah. And it was quieter up the north. But up there now we got... We're getting great crowds up there too, so... Yeah, is that is that great to see? The trips were paying we, off. Yeah. We found that people can't get enough of the songs. Once they hear them and... We've had old farmers coming up and hugging us, crying oh, because yeah. they haven't heard these songs. I was going to ask you about that. I mean, what reaction are you getting from people who would have... It is very nostalgic. Yeah, yeah. And, but I think it has so much to do with how much these songs mean to people and where they were when, when they first heard them and how they became part of their family lives. I know when we play in America, every time we sing a song, people are like, oh, that was my uncle Patty's... Party song. piece. Yeah. And yeah. He sang it every Sunday at our house after Mass. They'd have a big dinner, and then Uncle Paddy would sing the, the Whistling Gypsy or something like that. And everywhere we go, we get that. So yeah, it'll be interesting. You 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 going back to the Vanilla. Last time I saw Liam uh, play was with Odetta in two thousand and six in in the Vanilla Hotel, yeah. that, and that was an amazing gig. I mean, that I was can imagine. Really, I only, really. I, I only ever saw photographs from yeah, that. I it there. was absolutely amazing to be there on 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 the uh, the night. You keep we keep hearing, of course, about his influence on on the greats, and Dylan comes up all of the time. You must be very proud of that, don't are you? You know that. Well, I think he got fed up of talking about did it. Did he? As, yeah. After a while, because that's all everybody wanted to know. Yeah. You know, so he got a bit fed up with it, but I think um, it captured people's minds. You know. Yeah. Why would Dylan be? You know calling this old ballad singer like the best he ever heard, you know. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, you know, it it worked in his favour when he kind of uh, regenerated his career later in life. Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, but he got tired of it. Imagine he got. Ah, uh, he yeah. did. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he. You know, there was people who wanted to meet him and come. You know. Just because yeah. they're huge Dylan fans and they'd come to the house and stuff like that. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah. they'd they turn up. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, is a lovely. Do you, do you also remember, because again, I only saw the photographs of the early days in the States and touring in the States. I mean, nowadays we have all the technology of decent PAs and stuff, but the boys generally gathered around a microphone one, in, in one, huge theatres, you know? We've, we've been speaking of that, yeah. Just one microphone. <clears throat> Two, and when two. they first started, <laughs> two microphones sometimes, uh, when they first started on the big stages, my father, of course, my father was in the Oliver Plunkett pipe band in Katy. Was he? And so they would come out, storm in the stage, my father playing the pipes, and the crowd would get so loud, you couldn't hear Liam playing the guitar. And Liam would have to hold it up to the microphone, and he got part of his guitar style from, from that. that yeah. They had to give up the pipes. <laughs> 
within a few months because it was just too loud and crazy. Yes. And and one microphone and the old PA systems, those stacks, you see them in churches all the time, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what they were playing through. I, I can't even imagine what that was like. Well, they were in great halls like Carnegie Hall where the acoustics are fantastic. I suppose. And yeah. you had Columbia Records there with the best microphones that you could buy. Yeah. You couldn't get them for love nor money now, those old That's mics. Absolutely, wouldn't we all be And the recording sound, all the concerts were recorded by Columbia as well. Yes. And and they sound unbelievable. Yeah, no. yeah. I know, I, I hear them every so often, which is great. Um, do something else for me, will you? Come on, another treat, right. please. What, what will you do? Try the uh, an old sea song called The Mermaid. Yeah, why not? A lively one. It was Friday morn when we set sail And we were not far from the land When our captain he spied a mermaid so fair With a comb and a glass in her hand And the ocean waves to roll And the stormy winds to blow And we poor sailors are skipping at the top While the land lovers lie down below, below the land lovers lie down below. Then up spoke the captain of our gallant ship, and a fine old man was he. That fishy mermaid has warned me of our doom. We will sink to the bottom of the sea, and the ocean waves do roll, and the stormy winds do blow, and we poor sailors. Are skipping at the top while the land lovers lie down below, 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 while the land lovers lie down below. Then it spoke the first mate of our gallant ship, and a fine young man was he. He said, I have a wife in Portsmouth by the sea, and tonight a widow she will be. And the ocean waves do roll, and the stormy winds. And we poor sailors are skipping at the top While the land lovers lie down below, below, below While the land lovers lie down below Then up spoke the cook of our gallant ship And the crazy old butcher was he Saying I care more for my pots and my pans Than I do for the bottom of the sea And the ocean waves do roll and the stormy winds do blow And we poor sailors are skipping at the top While the land lovers lie down below, below, below While the land lovers lie down below Then three times around spun our gallant ship And three times around spun she And three times around on our gallant ship and she sang to the bottom of the sea and the ocean waves do roll and the stormy winds do blow and we poor sailors are skipping at the top while the land lovers lie down below 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 while the land lovers lie down below and the ocean waves do and the stormy winds do blow And we poor sailors are skipping at the top While the land lovers lie down below, below, below While the land lovers lie down below 
Absolutely. <laughs> the, the energy in it, lads. Absolute energy is is fantastic. Growing up, uh, you know, and working with them as well, Rory, to be, and uh, I put the same question to Donald, to be Tommy Makem's son, uh, you know, and the shadow of that, I suppose. In a lot oh, of way. What, yeah, what, yeah. what was that like, Rory? What was... Well, it, it certainly opened doors. Uh, and I also think my, I started playing with my brothers, and we were getting gigs we shouldn't have gotten just because our last name was Makem. Yes. And I, we worked at it, and we, we came along fair enough. But uh, he was, they were the most respected men in our business that we got into. So it, it was, uh, you know, yeah. it had its, it was good and bad. It had its good points and its bad points. So Yeah, what, what were the negatives on that? Uh, well, we had people who would be in the business who might look down at us getting gigs we shouldn't have had. Just because of the name, because as the they name. would feel. And yeah. I would think they would they were right at the time. Hmm. Uh, that was a long time ago, though. And uh, I think we've won some of them over anyway. Uh, we'll just keep plugging away. Uh, we've been singing, all my cousins sing. Yeah. And we sing when we all get together. We do it for fun. And uh, it's just part of my DNA, singing songs. And yeah. uh, there's always going to be people who... Have something bad to say about you. Oh, so. listen, I know. Uh, Don, what, what about you on that? I mean, I know you work with Robbie, of course, your, your cousin, uh, all, uh, doing a lot of that kind of music as well, didn't you, over the years? And, you know. Well, I, there's no pressure on any of us to mm. get involved in music. None of my, my brothers and sisters sing or play at all. Mm. Uh, so I, I kind of just took to music myself mm. with a little bit of encouragement at home, not a whole pile. I remember I was learning the fiddle at one point and... My father came in and said, it sounds like you're strangling a cat. <laughs> so I put the fiddle away and never took it out again. And that's exactly how he would say it as well, <laughs> I would imagine, yeah. But you're a wonderful guitar player. I mean, the guitar... Well, that's what I did. I, I, I never sang. I wouldn't sing yeah. because I used to be playing with my friends. We'd have sessions in the pub. And if someone found out I was Liam Clancy's son, they'd be demanding a song. Of course. So I was very shy. Yeah. And uh, the easiest way to avoid was say, I just, I don't sing, I can't sing, and I don't know the words of any songs. <laughs> and that's how you got out of it. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. But I went off to America then and um, I got loads of work as a guitar player. I mm. never sang. I yeah. didn't really sing until... Well, of course, you were part of the original Danu uh, lineup as well, yeah. weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I played with a lot of groups over there and the phone was always hopping because people would be looking for a guitar accompanist. Yes, yeah. Uh, traditional musicians and singers and stuff would come over to the States. It was easier than bringing someone over from home, but they'd give me a call. So so that's what I I made a living at for a long time but, but I, at the same time I was performer with my father and my cousin Robbie O'Connell mm. so I started singing a little bit then they'd try and encourage me to take a verse here and there but I wouldn't sing a whole song by myself no and way. now look at you <laughs> as they say now 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 look at you I'm delighted to say that Jerry is with us as well Jerry Lawless is with us uh, who is the promoter for uh, tomorrow night of course as part of Clamwell World Music Jerry uh, good morning to you and you're, you're very welcome as well tell, tell us about this gig tomorrow night because it's a special one isn't it? Yes, Fran. Yeah. Uh, good morning and thanks, thanks good morning for coming, to you. Uh, bringing me in. Uh, yeah, tonight they're actually playing in Dunhill in Waterford mm-hmm. in a community centre. Saturday night they're in Colfer's Carrick and Banno. And Sunday night, uh, another community centre in North Cork. But the gig, yes, tomorrow night in Manila. Uh, the last show we found it as well. We tried to make one one show, the showpiece event, if you like. Mm. Uh, we bring Donnie Goff on Bower on another Danu man, mm-hmm. and uh, Brendan Clancy on fiddle. So the boys have a full band, and it, it just adds another little dimension course, to it. Yeah. They all know each other from playing together, so it really builds it up. And we also have a support tomorrow night. We have 
uh, local multi All Ireland winning musicians Emma Corbett on Melodian, Keen Smith on Illum Pipes, Thomas Ahern on banjo, and Brendan Shoiga, who does some a, a little bit of Shannon's dancing. So it makes a big, big night of it, which I think in a venue like Manila, which is a beautiful venue, really works to have mm. a big show oh, uh, in a venue like yeah. that. So what are, what about tickets, Jerry? What's the story? Uh, tickets are they're still on sale. Ticket sales are going well. Uh, they're on sale over in Manila reception. Uh, John Nallen is standing by over there today and tomorrow. Um, and they're also on www.clownmetalworldmusic.com if you want to buy them online. But they are over in Manila if you ring the reception. Uh, I think there'll be some available on the door tomorrow night as well. The doors good. are 7.30. The show starts at 8.30. All right, okay. So if you want to call up in Manila, you don't have that number hand- handy, do you? I don't. Okay, no. Emma might get that for me and throw it up here and we'll, we'll give it out to uh, to people. I'm sure this huge interest, this is going to be packed absolutely, tomorrow absolutely. night. Anyway. We had a, a full house in, back in 2019 when we did it uh, and the interest in, in this area of the country tip Waterford, uh, Cork is, there's a huge interest in the whole Make and Clancy legacy and the songs uh, we get a great sing-along crowd so yes, there is big interest in it That'll yeah. be mighty, yeah. Of course that's a big part of it as well Rory, isn't it? The, the notion that the communal singing and that's, the, uh, I think the, the central point of it is it's a community music sharing, you know is mm. if, if there aren't people there singing along I find it pointless for me to do it, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'd rather... I, I always felt bad for my father. Say we'd be at a festival and back at the hotel there'd be a big session and my father would walk in mm-hmm. and all he'd want to do is hear people playing and singing and everybody staring at him, wanting him to sing. Of course, yeah. And he might do a song and then he'd leave because he felt he was interrupting the community oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of uh, everybody sharing music together. Yeah. And uh, that's what I, the core of... What I think we do is is music sharing. Yeah, well, there'll be plenty of it uh, tomorrow night in Manila and tonight, indeed, in, in Waterford as well. Will you, will you give us another treat before we let you go? Will you do something else? Well, we're thinking we might give a, a, a blast of uh, Brennan on the Moor. Ah, as, uh, yeah. It's a song my father and his brothers, they heard first out in Ballypatrick at the foot of Sleeve de Mon. Did they? In Gibbs' pub, yeah. yeah. There used to be an old man in there who used to sing it. Yeah. And it was a very long, slow kind of a ballad. So they kind of stripped it back to the bare essentials and, and put the driving rhythm behind it. And that, right. that's and how they, they developed this their... This used to start their shows as the Always, titles, yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. It was the starting to the song. For many years, After yeah. the pipes. Yeah. <laughs> Until they got fed up with it. Yeah. And then my father started singing Bob Dylan's version of it. Bob Did Dylan he? heard them singing it and he rewrote it as a song called Rambling Gambling Willie. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. Oh, God almighty. So it went from Gibbs's Pub and... Ali Patrick. Shoot. I didn't I didn't think you wanted to talk about Bob Dylan anymore. <laughs> there you are bringing him up. <laughs> oh, no, my father to... didn't want to talk about him. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Sure, right. Are we are we tuned up? It's of a brave young highwayman, the story we will tell. His name was Willie Brennan, and in Ireland he did dwell. Was on the Kilworth Mountains, he commenced his wild career. And many wealthy noblemen before him shook with fear. And it's Brennan on the moor, Brennan on the moor. Bold, brave and undaunted was young Brennan on the moor. One day upon the highway, as Willie he went down. He met the mayor of Cashel a mile outside the town. The mayor, he knew his features. To him, young man, said he, Your name is Willie Brennan, you must come along with me. And it's Brennan on the moor, Brennan on the moor. Bold, brave and undaunted was young Brennan on the moor. 
Sarah Brennan's wife had gone to town provisions for to buy. And when she saw her willy, she commenced to weep and cry. Said, hand to me that tenpenny as soon as willy spoke. She handed him a blunderbuss from underneath her cloak. Oh, young Brennan on the moor, Brennan on the moor, old brave and undaunted was young Brennan on the moor. Now with that loaded blunderbuss, the truth I will unfold. He made the mare to tremble and robbed him of his gold. A hundred pounds was offered for his apprehension there, but he with horse and saddle to the mountains did repair. Did young Brennan on the moor, Brennan on the moor, bold brave and undaunted was young Brennan on the moor. Now Brennan being an outlaw upon the mountains high With cavalry and infantry to take him they did try Well he laughed at them with scorn until at last was said By your false-hearted woman he was cruelly betrayed Was young Brennan on the moor Brennan on the moor More brave and undaunted was young Brennan on the moor They took Brennan to the crossroads and there he hung and died but still they say that in the night there's some that see him ride. They see him with his blunderbuss all in the midnight chill as on along the King's Highway. Rides Willie Brennan still and it's Brennan on the moor. Brennan on the moor, bold, brave and undaunted it was young Brennan on the moor. Lads, what a treat. And listeners just loving you out there. And all sorts of requests coming. I'm intrigued at one of the requests, in fact, Rory, uh, looking for the cobbler. Oh, the cobbler, yeah. <laughs> and that was such a party piece for Tommy, wasn't it? It was yeah. a fabulous piece. He got it from, yeah. he had a, an aunt, uh, and her cousin, Mary Toner, used to, and Jane Green was a cousin of my granny's, and uh, they used to face each other and fix each other's shoes while singing that song. And my father took him from them and... He's made up his own movements, and oh, I've yet to true. learn it myself. You know, it was such his piece. Yeah. And uh, who knows, maybe someday. Uh, I'm not sure it'll translate to the radio. Yeah, so. you, you couldn't see it over the radio. <laughs> and, of course, other people looking for the band played Waltzing Matilda as oh, well, yeah. which was such an individual hit for, for Liam. You know, it's uh, the one, I sang it once, ever. Yeah. And it's the one song of his that I don't, I don't go there. Yeah. He kind of, he did it, I just couldn't do it justice. The well, way. I, I, I'm sure you would, but it's very so much his song, isn't it? Like, you, yeah, you yeah. know, I, I remember the first performance of it on the Late Late Show. Yeah. And I, I remember Gay Byrne saying afterwards, it was among two of his favourite all-time musical pieces on the Late Late yeah, Show. Yeah, and they wiped the tapes, would you believe, RT? Oh, for God's sake, yeah, are you uh, serious? Typical, huh? <laughs> oh my God! Because I'd love to see it again. I know. It's it's just, not there. It's not just doesn't exist. Magical. But he, could, he, could, he actually couldn't sing it himself. Um, he had to be in the right place. Well, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very difficult for him to well, it's deliver that every night. Emotional it took, song. Uh, took yeah. an awful lot of uh, energy out of him. To, yeah, to, Eric Bogle's song wasn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Beautiful to see you, boys. Really Thanks again for having such, friend. such a yeah. treat. Thank you so much indeed. Tomorrow night at the Manila, and uh, I'm told the Manila number. If you want to book tickets and talk to John straight away, it's uh, 052-612-2388. That's again, 052-612-2388. And Jerry, there's that online uh, opportunity as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, it's at uh, clanmelwarmusic.com. All right, uh, Rory Makem and Donald Clancy. Real treat, thank you so much. We'll take a break. 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And uh, you're very welcome back to Tip Today. Huge reaction to the two boys in the studio and we wish them well tomorrow night as well. 1800 938 007. Now another musical treat for you because to celebrate his 80th birthday and 55 years at the very top end of the music industry, Phil Coulter is making a long-awaited return to the stage. He will visit the Talbot Hotel in Clanmill on the 6th of November and I'm delighted to say that he joins me now. Phil, good morning to you. And nice to hear from you, Fran. I hope all's well in Tip. All is great in Tip indeed. We're so looking forward to seeing you here on the on the, the 6th. I'm gathering, Phil, that there's no hint whatsoever of a farewell uh, tour <laughs> about this because you, you're saying in, in the press, much still to do, Phil. Yeah. No, 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 no prospect of retirement yet at all, Fran. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm asked about that so often. You know, people say you're 80 years of age and you're heading out on like 30-something dates. Um, are you not a bit mad in the head? Um, <laughs> and I, I always my hero Clint Eastwood when Clint was asked about you know still making directing writing and starring in movies pushing 90 years of age Clint's answer is I don't let the old man in ah brilliant yeah so that's it yeah Yeah, it is a great phrase and for me you know I just this is my job you know I don't have any I don't have any delusions that uh, because you know I write music or I've had a few hit records I don't have any delusions that you know therefore that means that I can walk on water or that that I'm in any way kind of you know special I mean this is my job I enjoy the job I've been doing it for a long time and I think I'm kind of not bad at it but it is what I do so I really look forward to getting out there and and, and, and sharing my music you know like during the lockdown particularly we've had two years of nothing you know yeah yeah, of so to get by, and during that time, I mean, I did, I did have a, a connection with my with my followers through uh, through online. I did mm. a thing called the, the Lockdown Lounge every Saturday afternoon. For, for we did thirty forty minutes every Saturday. Well, that was hugely successful. It was. And here's the thing, Fran. I discovered a lot. I mean, I'm an old dog, as you well know, <laughs> and an old dog who had to learn some new tricks because I knew nothing about all of that high tech going on Facebook, etc. But some of the younger guys on my team here said, "Phil, that's the only way you're going." to reach your reach your fans so um we did that we did that uh, lockdown lounge uh, direct on facebook but i have to tell you Fran, until i until i learned, until i learned how it all worked for my first few attempts were rather pathetic i was coming out sideways you know or upside down <laughs> so i mean but i persevered i persevered until you know i finally got the hang of it and discovered that that's a whole new world out there you yeah, know online. absolutely yeah. i was having followers i had a fan club by god in rio de janeiro wow. you know and i had people following me from malaysia and africa whatever um but having said all of the above there is nothing I mean nothing to compare with getting back on the road, you know, and, and performing to a live audience. The, the real thing. I always loved your attitude to your craft because you remind me of the Tin Pan Alley guys, if you don't mind my saying so, Phil. 100%. In, in, in that you work at this. You sit down 
every day of the week and you work at music. I'm glad you said Tin Pan Alley because, you know, when I did my, my memoir uh, just before the COVID hit, my memoir, mm. uh, Bruise Never Broken, yeah. um, and did all of the kind of research for that and looking back over my career, I mean, uh, some, of the, 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 some of the fondest memories I had, Fran, were of my days in Tin Pan Alley in Denmark Street in the, in the late 60s and 70s because that was where I learned my craft. Mm. That's where I learned about songwriting, learned how to structure a song, learned how to work at a song and tweak at it until it was right, you know. That's a craft which has stood me in, in good stead for all of these years. And you're right, it is, it's, it's a craft that I work at and I take seriously. So the same thing applies when we go on the road. You know, people who come to see us now um, in, the next, in the next number of weeks, I first visited Tip for a long time, by the way. I haven't been on Tip for... Oh, for you've been made so welcome here. So welcome. Well, I look forward to that. Yeah. You know, we, because in our family, we have great Tip connections. My, my, my wife, Geraldine, who, of course, is one of the stars, one of the guests appearances on the on, on the tour mm-hmm. along with uh, George Hutton another great discovery of mine from Derry, a great young tenor but Geraldine's family, her mother was a slattery from Tipperary so, uh, oh yeah she, she's got slattery cousins uh, high high and low down and, and, and tip yeah, so um, she's certainly looking forward to getting back amongst her amongst her clan, um, so the Tipperary connection, very strong, makes it all the more it makes it all the more palatable for us to go back to tip. Of, of course, and uh, you recorded, God knows, you recorded Steve them on uh, as an instrumental uh, as on did. one of the albums all, all those years ago as well. I did indeed. I did indeed. Well remembered. Oh, there, there you go. Now, do, do you know something else that struck me, Phil? I was often wondering, I mean, if you take the town I love so well or yeah. Scornotti's simplicity, it would have been kind of easy for you to do the town I love so well too or some other version of that or something. You never did that. You moved away and you did all those things. Yeah, well, the, the town I love so well was off its time, Fran. You know, that's 50 years ago next year. Is that? That song is 50 years old. Yeah, which, you know, any, any songwriter who embarks on a career as a professional songwriter, his ambition is to write songs that are going to endure. Yes. You know, I mean, yes. if you were to ask me, Fran, what's, what would be my simple definition, like, of a, of a good song? My simple, well, there's a lot of different ingredients, of course, but the simple answer would be, how do I tell a good song? A song that's been around for 40 or 50 years is a good song. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it would not have endured. Now, having said that, I can't see too many of this current crop of TikTok hits being around in 50 years, you know. But the town, the town obviously, well, was very much off its time. Strangely, uh, and curiously, just two weeks ago, I was in Derry for a, for a very exciting weekend. On the Friday, uh, I was presented with the freedom of the city, the freedom of Derry, uh, which was which was very gratifying. You know, in your hometown, yeah. to be voted something like that by your own people in your own place is a bit special. The following day was a different thrill when uh, we did uh, an epic sing-along uh, out of doors on uh, Ebrington Square, which just overlooks the whole city and the river. We had two and a half thousand people in a kind of drizzly Saturday afternoon singing The Town I Love So Well. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was very, very moving. You know, I was looking out at those people, seeing uh, little uh, primary school kids, uh, seeing their mums and dads, their grannies and granddads, people who'd lived through the Troubles, people who'd grown up in the shadow of the Troubles, and kids who'd only heard about the Troubles from their parents, whatever. And to see two and a half thousand people like singing every word of, of, of a song that's 50 years old. And when we got to that crescendo, 
um, for what's done is oh done and what's God, won is yeah. won. It was, I mean, I was choking up, Fran, I have to admit. It was very moving. It's as if, you know, it was, for me, it was, uh, with the freedom of the city and that, it was it was almost like some sort of a homecoming, not only for myself, but for the song after 50 years. And, of course, score Nutty Simplicity, also an anthem for parents with children with disabilities. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, the, that's a song which, is, which has given me immense satisfaction of yeah. all of my songs down through the years. Because I have to tell you this, Fran, that there's hardly, hardly a week goes by that I don't get an email or a connection from, from parents who've discovered the song maybe for the first time. And there's that strange thing, you know, when that happens in a family, they question themselves, go, why us? Why did it happen to me? The mother will say, why me? And the, when, when, they just, when they find out that it's happened to lots of other people, including people that, you know, um, are maybe a bit famous like mm, myself, yeah. they think, well, you know, we weren't alone in that. And it's kind of sharing that, you know, it's a bit of solidarity with people who've been down that road and had, had that experience. So, scornless simplicity has meant a lot to me down through the years. It would be one of my favourites. Phil, do you remember when Luke sang that for the first time? I most certainly do. I most certainly do. Because Luke, when I took over the Dubliners, um, uh, you know, I, Luke, I learned a lot from Luke Kelly. I'm the first to admit that I learned a lot from Luke because Luke had an encyclopedic knowledge of, of folk music mm-hmm. and he would share songs that he'd collected down through the years. I learned a lot from Luke. And particularly... It was Luke who was continually badgering me to write songs that would go a little deeper than Puppet on a String or Congratulations or the Bay City Rollers or Elvis Presley, any of my other hits. He would say, but his expression was, Phil, you have to write some grown-up songs. <laughs> and that's true. So, Scornless is simplicity, when my first song yes. was born with, with Down Syndrome, um, it was, a, it was a joy, it was a blessing really for me as a songwriter to have a voice like Luke Kelly there to sing it, you know. Yeah. Um, and when, when uh, after his encouragement, I finally addressed that. And, and it was a, but, you know, there's a big difference from, from writing a song like Puppet on a String or Congratulations and writing a song like Scorn on His Well, your heart is on your sleeve, isn't it? Precisely, precisely. You're opening up layers of yourself and kind of letting people into your, the most vulnerable part of your being. So... If it hadn't been for Kelly, you know, encouraging me and badging me to do that, I might never have I might never have gone there. Same thing with the town I love so well. Knowing that I had Luke Kelly on hand to sing that song um was, was, was made my my job a lot more a lot more doable. So yeah, I, I owe a great debt to Luke and the Dubliners. The collaborations uh, along the year, and indeed people you've discovered, as you mentioned there earlier on, and brought on, and I'm thinking of the likes of Tommy Fleming and stuff, and all these people that you would have, you know, brought from obscurity yeah. largely and brought them to the world's stage. So some of the best ones, uh, well, sorry, I beg your pardon. Some of the favourite ones, I I loved what you did with Sinead O'Connor, for example. Well, was that special to you? Very much, very much. Well, there's, you know, there's just when we reference Sinead, Scarlet is simplicity. I mean, not only does that mean a lot to me as a song, but I'm very flattered by the fact that it, it's been recorded by two of the best voices that we've ever produced, Luke Kelly and Sinead O'Connor. Yeah. Producing Sinead's album was was a real uh, was a real thrill. I mean, uh, you know, I had I had I had uh, a few months previously I'd produced an album with Van Morrison. Then I went into the studio with Sinead O'Connor, and my friends are saying, "Phil, are you mad in the head? You know, like you're, you're working with the most difficult people in the industry." But I have to say that in all of the uh, the weeks and months in the studio with Sinead, there was never a crossword. No, I found her very, very, very focused. I mean, she's just gifted with the most glorious voice. I mean, you know, people get distracted by her by the other antics. Mm-hmm. You know, I always say I like I like to think that. Uh, 
Sinead O'Connor said the judge on her voice. Yes. You know, the other stuff is a distraction for her, as far as I'm concerned. My experience with Sinead as a singer, as a recording artist, was 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 brilliant. And those kind of those experiences, you know, to, to work with the likes of Sinead or or Van Morrison, James Galway, uh, Richard Harris, mm. any of those people, it's a, it's a great it's a great learning curve for someone like me. But a great uh, a great privilege to be working with that kind of talent. Well, you were so smart as a producer to have such a sparse arrangements around her voice that let the voice shine. Well, I'm a great believer in that, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you look back, if you look at my, my Tranquility records, for yes. example, classic Tranquility, yeah. which propelled me from the background of being like a songwriter, record producer, or orchestrator, and to become a performer. If you if you were to listen to that album, you'd think, it's not complicated, you know. It is the simplicity. From day one, I thought the real stars of the show here are the melodies. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to prove that I'm a great piano player or a great arranger. I'm just. I'm just giving a nice bed. It was as if the orchestra produced a kind of a carpet that the uh, that the melodies could dance on. You know, I mean, the real stars of the show. So my playing was very simple. I let the melodies breathe, and they did all the singing. So simplicity. It's you know that's the secret for me. Mm. And of course, the temptation for any piano player there is to to show off what he can do and do the virtuoso stuff. You know, exactly. but, but but you never got into that. You know? Exactly because you know you have to learn what really works. You know, it's the yes. simplicity that counts, and it's a hard thing to arrive at. You know, in any art form, whether it's you know writing, whether it's painting, whether it's architecture, to arrive at what is the, the, the most direct, the most simple, takes years of practice. You know, as uh, strange as it may seem. You say that there's no way that this is sort of farewell in any way. What what are you hoping to do? What what else is there to do? Uh, what what more success will you be looking to achieve? Phil? Well, I'm very fortunate that I enjoy what I do, Fran. Yeah. You know, I'm really looking forward to these dates, 30-something dates between now and Christmas, because the trucks have been parked up for a couple of years, <laughs> yes, you know? Yeah. Um, so getting back and doing what I enjoy doing... But you see, songwriting... Is, is a pretty solitary pursuit, you know. Yeah. I mean, I finish a song at like two o'clock in the morning, then I play it to me, and I think, yeah, that, that I think that works. But there's a completely different thing when I'm performing that on stage. You know, when I do like steal away and hear the whole audience joining in and sing, or or, or play Ireland's Call and hear hear an audience get an exercise about Ireland's Call. That's terrific to actually share the music and get the feedback from an audience. That's that's what you don't get when you're in a recording studio. That's what you don't get when you're online. Well, people are, I'm just looking at the screen in front of me here, they are so looking forward to giving you a huge welcome to uh, Tipperary. That's great to hear. That's brilliant to hear. And you can pick up your tickets from the hotel and also available online, greatevents.ie and we'll remind you about that again and give you out a number as well. Phil, I always look forward to talking to you and I wish you so well at 80 and I hope the, the, the tour goes amazingly well for you. That's very kind of you, Fran. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for your support down through the years. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to getting to Tipperary. I hope those Tipperary people come out and support me down there. They, of course they will indeed. You look after yourself, Phil, and my best to Geraldine. Thank you so much. God bless you, Fran. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. That's the great uh, Phil Coulter speaking to us today and he's appearing at the Talbot Hotel on the 6th of November. Let's hear a little from Phil. No reason left to stay for me and you Let's start anew And Ireland steal away Let's steal away And chase our dream And hope they never find us 
the dreary days, the empty nights, we leave them all behind us and steal away. Let's steal away. No reason left to stay. the great talent of Phil Coulter appearing at the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel on the 6th of uh, November and uh, great events, that's GR and uh, the number 8 events.ie. Tickets are also available from the hotel reception but on a cash basis only there and I'm sure it should be a packer on the night and uh, tomorrow night of course at the Manila Hotel you have Makeup uh, make and Clancy. Huge reaction to the boys playing live uh, for us today as well and thank you for that. That's it for me. Uh, Emma produced Ali looks after our content and Katie looks after our Vox Pops and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Stephen's on the way. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And uh, you're very welcome back to Tip Today. Huge reaction to the two boys in the studio and we wish them well tomorrow night as well. 1800 938 007. Now another musical treat for you because to celebrate his 80th birthday in 55 years at the very top end of the music industry, Phil Coulter is making a long-awaited return to the stage. He will visit the Talbot Hotel in Clanmill on the 6th of November and I'm delighted to say that he joins me now. Phil, good morning to you. And nice to hear from you, Fran. I hope all's well in Tip. All is great in Tip indeed. We're so looking forward to seeing you here on the on the, the 6th. I'm gathering, Phil, that there's no hint whatsoever of a farewell uh, tour <laughs> about this because you, you're saying in, in the press, much still to do, Phil. Yeah. No, 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 no prospect of retirement yet at all, Fran. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm asked about that so often. You know, people say you're 80 years of age and you're heading out on like 30-something dates. Um, are you not a bit mad in the head? Um, <laughs> and I, I always quote my hero, Clint Eastwood, when Clint was asked about, you know, he's still making, directing, writing and starring in movies, pushing 90 years of age. Clint's answer is, 
I don't let the old man in. Ah, oh, brilliant. Yeah. What so a that's great it. Phrase, yeah. yeah, it is a great phrase. And for me, you know, I just this is my job, you know, yes. Fran. I don't have any I don't have any delusions that uh because, you know, I write music or I I've had a few hit records. I don't have any delusions that, you know, therefore that means that I can walk on water or yeah, that, yeah. that in any way kind of, you know, special. I mean, this is my job. I enjoy the job. I've been doing it for a long time. And I think I'm kind of not bad at it, but it is what I do. So I really look forward to getting out there and, 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 and sharing my music. You know, like during the lockdown particularly, Frank, yeah. we've had two years of nothing, you know. Yeah, yeah. So to get by. And during that time, I mean, I did, I did have a, a connection with my, with my followers through, uh, through online. I did mm. a thing called the, the Lockdown Lounge every Saturday afternoon. For, for, we did 30, 40 minutes every Saturday. Oh, that was hugely successful. It was. And here's the thing, Fran. I discovered a lot. I mean, I'm an old dog, as you well know. <laughs> and an old dog who had to learn some new tricks because I knew nothing about all of that high tech going on Facebook, etc. But some of the younger guys on my team here said, so that's the only way you're going to reach your, reach your fans. So um, we did that, we did that uh, lockdown lounge uh, direct on Facebook, but I have to tell you, Fran, until I, until I, learned, until I learned how it all worked, for my first few attempts were rather pathetic. I was coming out sideways, you know, or upside down. <laughs> so, I mean, but I persevered. I persevered until, you know, I finally got the hang of it and discovered that that's a whole new world out there, you yeah, know, online. Absolutely, yeah. I was having followers. I had a fan club, by God, in Rio de Janeiro, wow. you know, and I had people following me from Malaysia and Africa, whatever. Um, but having said all of the above, there is nothing... I mean, nothing to compare with getting back on the road, you know, and, and performing to a live audience. The, the real thing. I always loved your attitude to your craft because you remind me of the Tin Pan Alley guys, if you don't mind my saying so, Phil. 100%. In, in, in that you work at this. You sit down every day of the week and you work at music. I'm glad you said Tin Pan Alley because, you know, when I did my, my memoir uh, just before the COVID hit, my memoir, mm. uh, Bruise Never Broken, yeah. um, and did all of the kind of research for that and looking back over my career, I mean, uh, some of the, the, the some of the fondest memories I had, Fran, were of my days in Tin Pan Alley in Denmark Street in the, in the late 60s and 70s because that was where I learned my craft. Mm. That's where I learned about songwriting, learned how to structure a song, learned how to work at a song and tweak at it until it was right, you know. That's a craft which has stood me in, in good stead for all of these years. And you're right, it is, it's It's a craft that I work mm. at and I take seriously. So the same thing applies when we go on the road. You know, people who come to see us now um, in, the next, in the next number of weeks. I, I first visited Tip for a long time, by the way. I haven't been on Tip for... Oh, for you've been made so welcome here. So welcome. Well, I look forward to that. Yeah. You know, we, because in our family we have great Tip connections. My, my, my wife, Geraldine, who of course is one of the stars, one of the guests appearances on the on, on the tour mm-hmm. along with uh, George Hutton another great discovery of mine from Derry, a great young tenor but Geraldine's family, her mother was a slattery from Tipperary so, uh, she? oh yeah she, she's got slattery cousins uh, high high and low down and, and, and Tip yeah, so um, she's certainly looking forward to getting back amongst her amongst her clan, um, so the Tipperary connection, very strong, makes it all the more uh, it makes it all the more palatable for us to go back to Tip. Of, of course, and uh, you recorded, God knows, you recorded Steve them on uh, as an instrumental uh, as on did. one of the albums all, all those years ago as well. I did indeed. I did indeed. Well remembered. Oh, there there you go. Now, do, do you know something else that struck me, Phil? I was often wondering, I mean, if you take the town I love so well or yeah. score naughty simplicity, it would have been kind of easy for you to do the town I love so well too or some other version of that or something. You never did that. You moved away and you did all those things. 
Yeah, well, the, the town of Shawell was off its time, Fran. You know, it's 50 years ago next year. Is that? That song is 50 yeah. years old. Yeah, which, you know, any, any songwriter who embarks on a career as a professional songwriter, his ambition is to write songs that are going to endure. Yes. You know, I mean, yes. if you were to ask me, Fran, what's, what would be my simple definition, like, of a, of a good song? My simple, well, there's a lot of different ingredients, of course, but the simple answer would be, how do I tell a good song? A song that's been around for 40 or 50 years is a good song. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it would not have endured. Now, having said that, I can't see too many of this current crop of TikTok hits <laughs> being around in 50 years, you know. But the town, the town obviously, well, was very much off its time. Strangely, uh, and curiously, just two weeks ago, I was in Derry for a, for a very exciting weekend. On the Friday, uh, I was presented with the freedom of the city, the freedom of Derry, uh, which, was, which was very gratifying, you know, in your hometown. Yeah. To be voted something like that by your own people in your own place is a bit special. The following day was a different thrill when uh, we did uh, an epic sing-along uh, out of doors on uh, Ebrington Square, which just overlooks the whole city and the river. We had two and a half thousand people in a kind of drizzly Saturday afternoon singing the town I love so oh, well. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was very, very moving. You know, I was looking out at those people, seeing uh, little uh, primary school kids, uh, seeing their mums and dads, their grannies and granddads, people who'd lived through the Troubles, people who'd grown up in the shadow of the Troubles, and kids who'd only heard about the Troubles from their parents, whatever. And to see two and a half thousand people like singing every word of, of, of a song that's 50 years old. And when we got to that crescendo, um, for what's done is oh done and what's won is won, it was, I mean, I was choking up, Fran, I have to admit. It was very moving. It's as if, you know, it was, for me, it was, uh, with the freedom of the city and that, it was it was almost like some sort of a homecoming, not only for myself, but for the song after 50 years. And, of course, score Nutty Simplicity, also an anthem for parents with children with disability. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, that's a song which, is, which has given me immense satisfaction of yeah. all of my songs down through the years because I have to tell you this, Fran, that there's hardly, there's hardly a week goes by that I don't get an email or a connection from, from parents who've discovered the song maybe for the first time. And there's that strange thing, you know, when that happens in a family, they question themselves, go, why us? Why did it happen to me? The mother will say, why me? And the, when, when, they just, when they find out that it's happened to lots of other people, including people that, you know, um, are maybe a bit famous like mm, myself, yeah. they think, well, you know, we weren't alone in that. And it's kind of sharing that, you know, it's a bit of solidarity with people who've been down that road and had, had that experience. So, Scornative Simplicity has meant a lot to me down through the years. It's one of my favourites. Phil, do you remember when Luke sang that for the first time? I most certainly do. I most certainly do. Because Luke, when I took over the Dubliners, um, uh, you know, I, Luke, I learned a lot from Luke Kelly. I'm the first to admit that I learned a lot from Luke because Luke had an encyclopedic knowledge of, of folk music mm-hmm. and he would share songs that he'd collected down through the years. I learned a lot from Luke. And particularly... It was Luke who was continually badgering me to write songs that would go a little deeper than Puppet on a String or Congratulations or the Bay City Rollers or Elvis Presley, any of my other hits. He would say, his expression was, Phil, you have to write some grown-up songs. <laughs> and that's true. So, Scornless is the when my first son yes. was born with, with Down Syndrome. Um, it was, a, it was a joy, it was a blessing really for me as a songwriter to have a voice like Luke Kelly there to sing it, you know. Yeah. Um, and when, when uh, after his encouragement, I finally addressed that. And, and it was a, but, you know, there's a big difference from, from writing a song like Puppet on a String or Congratulations and writing a song like Scorn at His Well, your heart is on your sleeve, isn't it? Precisely, precisely. You're opening up layers of yourself and kind of letting people into your, the most vulnerable part of your being. So... 
if it hadn't been for Kelly, you know, encouraging me and badging me to do that, I might never have, I might never have gone there. Same thing with the town I love so well. Knowing that I had Luke Kelly on hand to sing that song um, was, was, was made my my job a lot more a lot more doable. So yeah, I, I owe a great debt to Luke and the Dubliners. The collaborations uh, along the year, and indeed people you've discovered, as you mentioned there earlier on, and brought on, and I'm thinking of the likes of Tommy Fleming and stuff, and all these people that you would have. You know, brought from obscurity yeah. largely and brought them to the world's stage. So, some of the best ones, uh, well, sorry, I beg your pardon, some of the favourite ones, I, I loved what you did with Sinead O'Connor, for example. Well, was that special to you? Very much, very much. Well, there's, you know, there's just when we reference Sinead, Scarlet is simplicity. I mean, not only does that mean a lot to me as a song, but I'm very flattered by the fact that it, it's been recorded by two of the best voices that yeah. we've ever produced, Luke Kelly and Sinead yeah. O'Connor. Producing Sinead's album was was a real uh, was a real thrill. I mean, uh, you know, I had I had I had uh, a few months previously I'd produced an album with Van Morrison. Then I went into the studio with Sinead O'Connor, and my friends are saying, "Phil, are you mad in the head? You know, like you're, you're working with the most difficult people in the industry." But I have to say that in all of the uh, the weeks and months in the studio with Sinead, there was never a crossword. No, I found her very, very, very focused. I mean, she's just gifted with the most glorious voice. I mean, you know, people get distracted by her by the other antics. Mm, you know, mm. I always say I like I like to think that. Uh, Sinead O'Connor should be judged on her voice. Yes. You know, the other stuff is a distraction for her, as far as I'm concerned. My experience with Sinead as a singer, as a recording artist, was 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 brilliant. And those kind of those experiences, you know, to, to work with the likes of Sinead or or Van Morrison, James Galway, uh, Richard Harris, mm. any of those people, it's a, it's a great it's a great learning curve for someone like me. But a great uh, a great privilege to be working with that kind of talent. Well, you were so smart as a producer to have such a sparse arrangements around her voice that let the voice shine. Well, I'm a great believer in that, you know. Yeah. I mean, if you look back, if you look at my, my Tranquility records, for yes. example, classic Tranquility, yeah. which propelled me from the background of being like a songwriter, record producer, or orchestrator, and to become a performer. If you if you were to listen to that album, you'd think, it's not complicated, you know. It is the simplicity. From day one, I thought the real stars of the show here are the melodies. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to prove that I'm a great piano player or a great arranger. I'm just. I'm just giving a nice bed. It was as if the orchestra pr- pr- produced a kind of a carpet that the uh, that the melodies could dance on. You know, I mean, the real stars of the show. So my playing was very simple. I let the melodies breathe, and they did all the singing. So simplicity. It's you know that's the secret for me. And of course, the temptation for any piano player there is to to show off what he can do and do the virtuoso stuff. You know, exactly. but but you never got into that. You know? Exactly, because you know you have to learn what really works. You know, it's the yes. simplicity that counts, and it's a hard thing to arrive at. You know, in any art form, whether it's you know writing, whether it's painting, whether it's architecture, to arrive at what is the, the, the most direct, the most simple, takes years of practice. You know, as uh, strange as it may seem. You say that there's no way that this is sort of farewell in any way. What what are you hoping to do? What what else? Is there to do? Uh, what what more success will you be looking to achieve? Phil? Well, I'm very fortunate that I enjoy what I do, Fran. Yeah. You know, I'm really looking forward to these dates, thirty something dates between now and Christmas, because the trucks have been parked up for a couple of years. <laughs> yes, you know, yeah. um, so getting back and doing what I enjoy doing. But you see, songwriting 
is is a pretty solitary pursuit, you know. Mm. I mean, I finish a song at like two o'clock in the morning, then I play it to me, and I think, yeah, that, that I think that works. But there's a completely different thing when I'm performing that on stage. You know, when I do like steal away and hear the whole audience joining in and sing, or or, or play Ireland's Call and hear hear an audience get an exercise about Ireland's Call. That's terrific to actually share the music and get the feedback from an audience. That's that's what you don't get when you're in a recording studio. That's what you don't get when you're online. Well, people are, I'm just looking at the screen in front of me here, they are so looking forward to giving you a huge welcome to uh, Tipperary. That's great to hear, that's brilliant to hear. And you can pick up your tickets from the hotel and also available online, greatevents.ie, and we'll remind you about that again and give you out a number as well. Phil, I always look forward to talking to you, and I wish you so well at 80, and I hope the, the, the tour goes amazingly well for you. That's very kind of you, Fran. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for your support, Dan, through the years. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to getting to Tipperary. I hope those Tipperary people come out and support me down there. They, of course they will indeed. You look after yourself, Phil, and my best to Geraldine. Thank you so much. God bless you, Fran. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. That's the great uh, Phil Coulter speaking to us today, and he's appearing at the Talbot Hotel on the 6th of November. Let's hear a little from Phil. No reason left to stay for me and you, let's start anew, and I'll steal away. Let's steal away and chase our dream and hope they never find us. The dream. Empty nights We leave them all Behind us And steal away Let's steal away No reason left To stay For me and you Let's start the great talent of Phil Coulter appearing at the Talbot Hotel in Clonmel on the 6th of uh, November and uh, great events, that's GR and uh, the number 8 events.ie. Tickets are also available from the hotel reception but on a cash basis only there and I'm sure it should be a packer on the night and uh, tomorrow night of course at the Manila Hotel you have Makeup uh, make and Clancy, huge reaction to the boys playing live uh, for us today as well and thank you for that. That's it for me. Uh, Emma produced Ali looks after our content and Katie looks after our Vox Pops and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Stephen's on the way. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.